Georgia from the Veterans of Foreign Wars post, a very cool place. And we have the seven candidates here participating. The candidates debating this afternoon, we're going to go through them here. 2022 Senate candidate winner of the Iowa caucus, Chase Oliver. We have the president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, Jacob Hornberger. The host of Break the Cycle, Blue Collar Working Man and Father of Thousands, Joshua Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Tech entrepreneur, family man, and road racing. And, uh, road racing enthusiast is what I'm That's right. Lars Maxted. And then we have former police officer and economist Mike Tremont, author and canceled professor Michael Reckonwald, and Toad. <laughs> <laughs> Give it up to candidates. Proud Bigly Host Proud Gator Report podcast joined by my co-moderator Cliff Russell of the Liberty Lockdown and Power Game podcast, which they will be doing a spin room after the debate. So stick around for that and it's sure to be very inappropriate, but also <laughs> very enjoyable. This debate is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Also <laughs> we'll see about what we can have and get good information out of you guys. And so I want this to be like lively and, and crisp, but I want you guys to interact with it. I just want the thing to pop and flow and Debate like you want to win this thing. I mean, you guys are competing right now. You like each other, as you pretend to compete. I want to see it. It's going to be fun. And so here's the basic rules. Some of the questions are going to be for everybody. Most of them will be for everybody. There'll be a couple of them that are for specific candidates. You will get 90 seconds to answer each question. If there's a follow-up question, there will be. You'll get 30 seconds to have a response. And there can't be candidate rebuttals. But keep in mind, most of the questions you will be getting 90 seconds to respond to anyway. And you can ask each other questions, and you will be able to have 30 seconds to respond to candidate questions from each other. Uh, keep those questions brief, concise, and impactful. And for the questions that everybody gets to answer, you guys have a lot of areas where you have similar beliefs, and then you have a lot of areas where you're you know, very different. And the ones that's similar, if you have the same belief that somebody who's already spoken, then communicate it differently. Show us a different way to communicate it if you can. I'd, I'd like to see those different messages connect. And if somebody disagrees, I'm going to ask. I'm going to say, who disagrees? And so we're going to get those disagreements in there so we can uh, compare you guys. And as we move forward, we might shorten the response time from 90 to 60 seconds so that we can hit more topics. Okay, so we're going to do our best to try and get everybody as equal amounts as possible. We have a uh, clock over here. So it's last. Is that right? So it's last like that. Uh, yeah, you're done there. And... Basically, the most interesting answers that are engaging are probably most likely to get more time. We will try and be as equal as possible. So, since you guys are, oh, at the end of the debate, also, we're going to have a 60-second final um, statement, and then there will be a bonus question after that statement, and then that will be the end of the debate. You guys are libertarians. Do you have anything you want to say, Clint? Uh, well, first off, do you guys mind if we don't do introductions and just get No, yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, I have a, a first question. I'm like, oh, that hurt. That hurt. That hurt. I just feel like they know you guys. No, I know much of these, so. Yeah, so, everybody's heard your 20 minute introduction. <laughs> no, I would love it. If, and like, in closing, the, the few kid responses, the better. And since you guys are all libertarians and a little bit kinky, we'll start off with some role playing. <laughs> First question, you're in a bar, you just met me. I am an independent, and this is true, I haven't voted in a presidential election in a long time because I don't trust the Republicans, I don't trust the Democrats, and there has been a libertarian to inspire me since Ron Paul. But I'm a winnable, skeptical, independent voter. 
So I challenge you. We just met in a bar. You just learned that about me. We're hanging out. Communicate to me not in terms of somebody who read Harry Brown a lot and loves economics. Communicate <coughs> to me as someone, as a dude in a bar whose vote you can win. You're each going to have 90 seconds to win my vote and inspire me. And I'm going to start with Chase. Uh, first off, First off, nice to meet you, and uh, I'm glad you're uh, a, a voter who's thinking outside of the two-party box because most voters, just like you, know that the two-party system is full of shit. They are somebody who has failed us at every single level. Uh, they continue to expand a warfare state. They expand a welfare state. They expand all of these things that control you and your life. And I'm a candidate who wants to do something that's exactly the opposite of that. As they fight for authority, I fight for your liberty. And I don't know you very well. I just met you in a bar. But here's one thing I can guarantee you. No matter how you live your life, how you worship, who you love, or how you live, if you're doing it in peace, as a candidate for president, I'm going to say your life is your life, your body is your body, your property is your property, and the government needs to stay the hell out of the way of your life. And that's something that each and every libertarian fights for. And as a candidate for president, I'm going to be fighting un with undying energy to expose the two-party system for who they are and provide a real positive thing that you can feel good about voting for. Because it's not good enough for you just to be voting for the lesser of two evils. That is something that, that, that is a failure if you're only voting for the lesser of evil. We want to give you something good to vote for, and I aim to provide that for you by saying we're going to oppose the wars, we're going to oppose the... Uh, the abuses that are happening at the federal level, and we're going to trickle that down to each and every state and locality across the country as we take the power out of those bureaucrats' hands and hand it to you. And if you're a parent, you're going to be the best advocate for your child. You have unconditional love for your children, so why do we take power out of your hands and put it into the bureaucrats' hands in Washington, D.C., or to the State House in Atlanta? You should be the one who's going to be the best advocate for your child, and for you as yourself as an adult, you're going to be your best advocate. Michael. Yes, you're an independent, so I assume you're an independent thinker. And so what I would do is talk to you about the kinds of issues that are pressing us today and what we've just gone through in the recent past. For example, in 2020, you probably remember, we went through the COVID crisis and we were locked down. We were uh, forced to have vaccinations, many people. We, were, uh, we, we had social distancing and masking and all of these other uh, prohibitions that made our lives uh, uh, impossible, that destroyed the economy, that ran up the national debt. So as a libertarian, I'm going to reach you where you are with the issues that matter to you now. And that are uh, things like the COVID crisis that just is still lingering. Uh, and then they have on the horizon another disease X, which could be uh, coming down the pike any day now. And they'll start to do the exact same measures that they did before. There are also other things that are on the agenda that we need to be out looking for. We must look at the question of the CBDC, the central bank digital currency, which will totally restrict our freedom of speech, our freedom of uh, spending, our, it'll have total surveillance over our all transactions. All of these things are major issues coming down the pipe. And of course we know that one of the major problems today is inflation, and I will tell you, this is caused by the Fed, the counterfeiters that, that effectively create money out of thin air. This has got to end and we will end the Fed. Thank you. Jacob. <clears throat> the biggest lie that every one of us is subjected to this in this country and our government public schools is that we live free lives. We libertarians are striving to restore the genuine principles of liberty to this country. And we're leading this country in that endeavor. Jay, you're talking to me at a bar. We, we are opposed to the killing machine 
that the federal government has become. Invasions, occupations, assassinations, immigration controls that brings death and suffering to people on the border. We are opposed to the entire socialist system that exists in this country. Social Security, Medicare, welfare, and every other socialist program, including the public schools, where you receive that indoctrination. Help us lead this country to a better way because they're taking it down. They're taking it down right there in Washington, D.C. This country is cratering from within with the out-of-control spending, debt, and the killing machine that this government has become. Join us to lead this country to a better, freer, more prosperous, peaceful, harmonious country. Mr. Tamak. Hey. Brad, right? Yeah. You used to be a Republican or a Democrat? Uh, I, I, I was, the only thing I've ever voted for in presidential elections is Libertarians. You voted for Libertarians? A long time ago. I haven't in years. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, a lot of my family are Democrats. A lot of my family are Republicans. I used to be a Republican myself. And I don't know what led you to be a Libertarian. But one of the things that led me to be a Libertarian was realizing that for all of the reasons that my family had joined the Democratic Party, that party has gone in a really weird direction. A lot of folks, uh, my mom and my sister in particular, joined that party thinking it would be a party of uh, social liberalism, somebody that would stand up to your personal liberties. And for all of the aspirations, that party and my family have gone in two different directions. And honestly, uh, as a young Republican myself, 100,000 years ago, <laughs> having grown up as a banker and a fiscal conservative, that party and, and, and I went in two different directions a long time ago. You know, it was in the 90s when I realized that it was a lie to say the Republican Party was uh, fiscally conservative. And so I suspect that the reason that you became a libertarian was a lot of the reason I became a libertarian, which is that the other parties failed to reflect my values. And for that reason, I really felt like when I voted for another party, I was, I was being untrue to myself. I was being untrue to my own values. And if you still have that libertarian leaning, as I believe most Americans do, by the way, I would uh, suggest that you join us in continuing to represent those values. It's not so much your values have changed, but the frustration builds, right? Uh, but we're on the march, and I want to represent your values with you. Mr. Smith. Thank you so much, Brad. I appreciate you coming before. As somebody who spent two years as the number one recruiter for the entire Libertarian Party, I've done this quite a few times. Uh, but the important thing is not us talking at you. It's what's important to you. And that's something that a lot of libertarians forget. We're so well-read and we want to be the smartest people in the room. But it's not always how it works in the real life. So what are, what are the issues that are important to you, Brad? I'm just I'm tired of, of all of the BS. And the, it's overwhelming and the division. It can just wear you down. Sure, absolutely. And we want to get rid of the BS, Brad. That's, that's what we do. That's what libertarians are all about. We're also... We have this exhausted mentality of dealing with a warfare state and a Federal Reserve that inflates us out of the market and uh, a federal government that can tax everything that we own as we're still paying on it. We're sick of all those things. But the really important thing, Brad, is even if you don't agree with us on anything, but you agree with a couple of Republicans and you agree with a couple of Democrats, but you're tired of the campaigning in a way that they don't govern, voting for the Libertarian candidate actually gives you the power back. And that's, that's the very important thing here, is once you make us a national uh, major political party, just by giving us a vote in November, you get us to the stage that makes us like sharks swimming in the water. These long-term politicians that have been sitting around doing nothing for years and years and years now have to worry about their jobs. 
Mitch McConnell starts freezing up even more on TV, right? And that's that's the important thing about being a libertarian is we have the power to get enough people to vote for us to, to become the sharks in the water to start pushing this narrative that these people are going to lose their jobs if they don't govern the way that they that they campaign. So thanks, appreciate you. Yeah, uh, you know what LP stands for, right? Tell me. Loser party. <laughs> that is what the LP is. It's a party of losers. Uh, the party just constantly loses all the time. I would, so I would not try to convince you to vote for me if I was running for the LP. That's not the direction that I would take at all. And whereas a bunch of these other guys are going to you know, just spew some BS about, well, both these parties suck. Yeah, everybody knows both these other parties suck for the most part now. I probably wouldn't even put a, put a political spin on it at all. What I would do is, and this is something that I do do, I actually go to bars and I just talk to randos. I just meet them like where they are, talk to them as a person. I talk to them in a pro-liberty way, but really just kind of spread a message of just sanity. And it doesn't even need to necessarily be political because politics have just infiltrated the culture so much at this point. You can be talking to them on a cultural basis and you can be changing their minds potentially that way. And I think that's what we want to do. We want to sow the seeds of liberty in that way, just on an individual basis at the most ground level, the most base level, two men sitting in a bar. Once you've radicalized these random patrons in a bar, what do, what do you offer them as a solution? <laughs> as a, well, the solutions that I would be offering would be solutions for maybe how they can increase liberty in their own lives. Like, I don't see that there's a path to like, we're gonna have liberty at a federal level, like across the United States. Like that's delusional, that's ridiculous. So just talk to them about how they can increase that on the, you know, at, their, uh, at the individual level for the, uh, themselves, their family, et cetera. Mr. Mexico. Uh, yeah, Brad, thank you so much. It, you know, I heard you say that you voted for Ron Paul and I also voted for Ron Paul. And I, uh, back in those days, I really thought that he could win and that we would have change in the country. I voted for Ross Perot too. I thought he could win and change the country. I never felt like the duopoly uh, resonated me, with me and that they represented me. I've never voted for a congressman or a senator that has represented me because none of them have ever won that I have voted for. Uh, and so I feel that disillusionment that you have. I feel that like despair that we can't change anything in America, that the system is so rigged against us that we have no opportunity to actually create liberty for anyone. It seems oppressive, really. I mean, when you get down to it, and you you can talk about the uh, the economy with the inflation that's crushing everybody, with the IRS that turns regular folks into criminals. You can talk about the rigged healthcare system where the it seems like the doctors are more caring about the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance companies than they are about the regular people. You can talk about the rigged criminal justice system where they're throwing people in prison that shouldn't be in prison for crimes that don't have a victim at all. So I feel that despair. But look, you, everybody here has the power to unrig the system. You have the power to unrig the system. And if no one is willing to stand up and do it, it's never gonna unrig itself, right? I need everyone here to unrig the system with me, to, to fight for liberty, to fight. You know, we heard Spike Cohen today talk about the Hernandez family and the atrocity that's going on here in Georgia and how you know, tough that is. We need to end this kind of government coercion. And if people don't stand up, no one's going to stand up, so it takes everybody to stand up. I have a quick follow-up. I'm going to hear from Michael and Joshua on this, starting with Michael. Uh, I know all of you guys want to abolish the Fed. I'm no fan of the Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve but uh, a poll from 2023, I believe it was Gallup, 
only 37% of Americans uh, view the Federal Reserve negatively. 20% have no opinion on it, and whatever the math is, uh, like it. So how do you get Americans to want to do something that they, they aren't even aware is a problem to them? Yeah, I would, I would tell them what the Fed is and what it does. They counterfeit money, and then they loan it at interest. Uh, they make it up out of thin air, then they loan this money at interest. This is criminal. Uh, so they, and then they pretend to, uh, to have this effect on the boom-bust cycle, which they actually create by virtue of the fact that they raise and lower interest rates. Uh, they actually create the boom-bust cycle. So the Fed is, I think, and I think I'll have some disagreement here, is a criminal organization that produces uh, money out of thin air, lends it at interest, and, and this is why we have this uh, enormous debt, it's why we have endless wars. All of this can be traced back to the Federal Reserve because without their production of money out of thin air, we would not have these problems. It needs to be ended, and the way we go about it is eroding their power in, in the in the in the front front end by encouraging people to use parallel currencies, parallel currents, counter currencies, and to use these currencies. This erodes the power of the Fed's monopoly over money. We must go after their monopoly. And of course, the first thing I would do would be to end the legal tender laws and to make other currencies legal. This is what's necessary in order to erode the Fed's monopoly. Yeah. You said 37%? Yes. That just is a testament to the bad job we're doing in America today um, and how good the propaganda is, yeah. truly. Because uh, he, he kind of mentioned it, but the, the Federal Reserve is a giant counterfeiting machine that steals your wealth through a tax called inflation. That's what they exist for. That's literally, that's, that's what it is. And so if we're doing a 37% of a job, we should be able to do 100% of, we're doing a terrible job. Um, so, you know, the, the America, we, you know, we can talk to those 37%. We can probably talk to those 20, 20, other 20%. The rest of that percentage, we're probably not gonna reach right away. But if we were to get into office in this mysterious, like mystical world of libertarianism where we become the next president, we have the opportunity to do several things. One of those things is to direct the treasury to stop taking inflated notes from the Federal Reserve. We also have the, the, the power as a president to uh, nominate and, and get the new Fed chairman in, which I said very many times it would be Ron Paul should I be elected. Um, and that person gets to go in there with a baseball bat, start tearing down the walls, showing America that they don't need the Federal Reserve to exist today. Um, and I do I agree with Mike on the alternative currencies. I think if you're not taking part in alternative currencies, you're not opting out of the Federal Reserve. Anybody in this room that's not trying to opt out of the Federal Reserve today is, is, is it's taken it too far. It's time to start hopping out today. Uh, so, you know, Bitcoin, things like this, get back in gold, precious metals. Uh, because when that, the walls do fall, if there ever is a libertarian president, uh, your your blood is going to be a lot less likely should you already be taking part in some of these other things. So, thanks. Over to you, Clint. With the latest news out of Texas, I was <coughs> curious what your guys' opinions are. Um, given that the federal government has refused to enforce the border, does Texas have a right to defend its border? To what extent? And would you support an effort at peaceful secession up to and including defensive violence? Feel free to explain your perspective on immigration within this response. Uh, I guess we'll start with Lars and Luke back since we went the other direction last time. Yeah, okay. So I think that, 
you know, I'm a big Tenth Amendment guy. I believe that the states have the authority to, to uh, take care of their citizens and that, that government in general is better at a local level than it is at the federal level, that we should allow citizens to be governed by people that are closest to them because they understand them the best, right? And I often say the federal government carpet bonds people and the local government holds a gun to your face, right? But all, all of it is coercive. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, I think that the, the state of Texas should be able to defend its borders if that's what they choose to do. Um, I don't think that a president should um, incite violence by calling for cessation of, of states, but I do support the right of states to, uh, to move in that direction if that's how they feel fit, right? Because there should be a way to uh, extract yourself from the federal government if the federal government is behaving in a way that's disadvantageous to its citizens. So I feel like the, the, the Constitution and the, the Founding Fathers set this up in a way so that we could address these kinds of situations in, in a civil manner, maybe, without having to resort to bloodshed. You know, I'm always on the side of less death, and so I would always try to find a diplomatic solution um, to the problems that we have before inciting violence across the country and having brothers pitted against brothers. That sounds totally horrible to me. Uh, just a quick follow-up for you. It, it seemed as if you were insinuating that perhaps the federal government or the president is behaving in a way that is deleterious to the, the American people. Do you perceive that to be the case with the border issue? In 30 seconds of the call. Sure. I, I think that the, the answer that I gave was because was more just in general that a president shouldn't, not necessarily that this no, president should. I know. I'm asking specifically. Yeah. Do you believe that his is, is it a dereliction of duty what he's done on the border or no? I think it's a dereliction of the entire Congress, not just the president, that they have given up on border security. They've given up on addressing the crisis at the border, that they both uh, benefit from the crisis at the border. They like the chaos because it's a way of fundraising for them, right? They never seem to fix these problems over and over. You can name 50 problems that they haven't fixed. And the reason they never fix them is because they like pitting each other against each other so that they could get the money out of people's wallets. And I think that's wrong and needs to end. Mr. Toad, go for it. Yeah, so if you think about, if you have like a small town, let's say, and people in that town at the moment have like a common culture that is pretty pro-liberty, it's pretty sane. But then at some point, the government of that town, the town does a lot of government, they decide, well, we're just gonna start letting anybody and everybody enter this town, including people that don't share that culture with you or that respect for liberty. You, anybody, anybody who's sane, anybody who is uh, bound to reality can clearly see that that's gonna totally destroy that town. It's gonna be completely destructive. So that, is why the open border opposition is not saying it is not pro-liberty, and it's not a popular one either. Uh, and what, uh, going to the, uh, the question with specifically with Texas, yes, Texas, of course, does have the right to uh, defend their borders. Uh, they're defending uh, themselves from an invasion, and what the federal government is doing is saying, we're gonna also invade you just because you're trying to stop yourselves from being invaded from another direction. So <laughs> yes, I'm 100% on the side of Texas there, and, and I'm also uh, pro uh, their right to secede from the United States as well. Mr. Smith. Whether, hello? Jack, oh, here we go. Whether libertarians are right or wrong on immigration, the truth of the matter is, is that the vast majority of people in the entire world, not just here in the United States, want some kind of security for their city some kind of security for their county, some kind of security for their state, and some kind of security for their nation. That's the vast majority of people. It's sad, 
It's true whether you believe in open borders or not. Um, now, when I talk about the 10th Amendment, I'm a 10th Amendment guy, full stop. No ands, no ors, no buts. The 10th Amendment is very clear that Texas has the right to defend their sovereignty as a state um, for any issue that's not mentioned in the Constitution. And guess what's not mentioned in the Constitution when it comes to this, this, this idea? It's, the, it's immigration, okay? So Texas has been very clear. We think there's an invasion of the border. We had over 6 million people come across last year. 6 million people. We can't vet that. We can't filter that. We can't make sure there's people with bad intentions uh, or not. We can't make sure that there's not Ebola coming across our border. And so, you know, Texas has every right to, to secede, to tell the federal government to get lost. I live in Iowa right now. And the state of Iowa is currently working on a bill to nullify all federal gun laws. Do you know why? Because the 10th Amendment gives them that right to do so. So like we get into this talk about trying to be libertarians and say, oh, well, Texas doesn't have the right to do these things. Then we have to start saying that about other things like gun, law, gun rights. Are you prepared to tell a state that they don't have the right to set their own gun laws? I bet you're not. So, quick, quick follow-up. Yes. Uh, you said that some people, including Texans, obviously, they perceive it to be an invasion. That does not give me your answer as to what you feel about it. I think six million people across the border in one year is, is an invasion. I do. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that we need to come to terms with that as libertarians. It's it's a very, very uh, unpopular, unpopular position to say that we should just let every single person come into the nation that wants to be here. Um, because, look, maybe you can call me a libertarian nationalist, but we're running to govern a nation. That's what we're running to do. And the people of that nation are going to rely on you to protect them. That's part of what it, protect the rights of your citizens, right? If a government should exist at all, it's for, the, it's for those protections. So, hey, thanks. Did you just say Texas should get rid of six million people, Josh? It sounds a little high. Mr. Tomas. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. You can be a nationalist or you can be a libertarian. You're going to have to pick one or the other. A couple things need to be said at the, uh, at the top. One is that immigration is good for the United States. It is one of those things that has differentiated us from other democracies around the world and has done so for a couple of hundred years. It's good for us economically, it's good for us fiscally, it's good for us culturally, and it's good for us in terms of developing what we all now consider an American spirit. We need a more pro-immigration policy and a more pro-immigrant policy. And that means a couple of different things. It's a false dichotomy to say we need to either shut down the border or we need to let everybody in. That's not the way that this works. We have a crisis at the border. I've seen it with my own eyes. I spent days down there at the Arizona border and I can tell you, None of us, no one in this room, should be proud of our, our federal policy toward immigration. However you feel about it, it sucks. The big problem down there is a humanitarian crisis in terms of human trafficking. Hundreds of thousands of people coming across every month and being sold into indentured servitude. No one should be putting up with that. And that comes from creating a black market, which is to say making it illegal but refusing to shut it down. What we need to do is come up with faster ways to get people through legally and at the same time get control over this idea of who is trying to come through illegally. Letting people come through illegal is bad for them. It is bad for them. Much worse for them than it is for the rest of us. We need to get control over it. And answer your specific <coughs> question, yes, Texas absolutely has the right to take matters into their own hands. Yes, the Tenth Amendment does matter. Yes, you can read about my more specific ideas for ending federal supremacy at goldenfield.org. Quick, quick follow-up. 
you said uh, to open that, you said you can either be a nationalist or a libertarian, but you can't be both, and you have to choose. Uh, given that you're saying that there has to be some immigration policy at all, it implies that you do perceive there to be a nation. So that seems at odds with your opening statement. A, a nationalist is not merely someone who believes that a nation exists. You can be a libertarian and stand up for your nation. A nationalist is someone who does not recognize that uh, there is a, such a thing as universal rights, that our rights come from God, they do not come from the state. Uh, nationalists uh, uh, are on the edge of uh, discriminatory policy. We need immigration into the United States. But that doesn't mean that we need a heavy-handed state discriminating against people who want to be here, for example, for economic reasons. We should be encouraging people to come in and working. Josh, you think he's wrong? Why is he wrong? Well, I just, I think my, my mic keeps getting shut off. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I, I, I think that you can be a nationalist. I think you can be worried about your nation uh, and still believe that your rights come from your creator. I don't, I don't understand how those two things conflict at all. So it doesn't make any sense to me. I think you're running to be the president of the nation. That's what you're doing here. And if you're not willing to, to understand that and realize that the people that you want to govern enjoy their nation and, and want their nation safe and that they want you as a government to protect their rights, then you shouldn't be running for president. Chase, you disagree with Josh. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's what nationalism is. Nationalism is not, I'm proud of my country or I want to serve my country. That's just not what nationalism is. Okay. Nationalism, the nationalism is essentially, as Mike described, it's the insistence that because you belong to one nation or another, you have certain rights or another. Human rights are inherent. And I hate to say that it took this long for somebody to say states don't have rights either. People have rights. The people of Texas have the right to secede, for instance. But no, states do not have rights. And no, no nation has rights either. Uh, it's the rights of the individuals. And yeah, that's nationalism is not being a patriot. It's not being proud of the country you live in or having, you know, some sort of love of country. It's a different thing. Do entirely. you want to govern the nation of the United States of America? Yeah. Okay. Mr. Eichler? Yeah, let, let me start off by trying to clarify this uh, debate, this, this point about immigration. Uh, what is really the issue at stake? The issue is property rights. Now, my position on immigration is this. If there were nothing but private property in this society, the only borders that would exist would be the borders around your property. There would be no other borders. And of course, you would determine who enters your property or not. It would be by invitation. Now, we have we don't live in that world. We live in this world where there are so-called public property. But public property is really, rightfully, the property of those who have paid taxes for it. So it's actually the property of taxpayers. And so they should have a say on who enters that property. And so I think that what we need is a voucher system. We need a kind of invitation basis uh, immigration policy with a voucher system so that if you want to let people into your property or to vouch for them to be on public property, you will have some sort of liability insurance that you would uh, need in order to vouch for those good persons. Now, in the case of Texas, the closer you get to local government, the more liberty is increased. So the fact is that as long as you have a, a more localization, you're going to have, you're getting closer to the private property of people. So the, the border around Texas is closer to people's private property than some other border around another state. So what we need to do is allow people to defend their borders uh, and those borders around so-called public property. Mr. Humbert? 
if there's any issue in this campaign that defines this campaign, it's this one right here, and you can see it right now. For 30 years, I've been arguing that the only solution to this immigration crisis perpetual, to the death, the suffering, and the police state that exists along the border is completely open borders. Abolish the Border Patrol, the Immigration Service, and all restrictions on the free movements of goods, services, and people across borders. There is no other solution. And every one of my opponents here takes the Republican position and the Democrat position that we need this socialist immigration control system that brings death and suffering and crisis. Clint, your, your premise behind your question is totally unfounded, that this immigration system's not being enforced. I grew up on the border. I lived there almost half my life, and I can tell you it's a police state. What you're really pointing out is their police state hasn't worked. That's what they're lamenting, and that's what this governor in Texas is doing. He's doubling down with concertina wire, buoys that are killing more people because his beloved little police state hasn't worked, and it will never work. We need to lead this country out of this morass, and the only way we lead it is by liberty and making the case for liberty. Open borders has been our position in this party since the founding of this party in 1971 in David Nolan's living room. And we need to lead this country in the direction of freedom and private property. And let me tell you something about my friend Mike here. What he didn't tell you is that he favors completing Trump's wall with eminent domain stealing of people's property. Uh, How yeah. about that kind of a system? I have a question for you. Before I, you think I, yeah, I think I have a right to retort that. I don't favor that. I never said that. I said a Republican might do that. That was in an essay that he apparently doesn't grasp the context of. That's not my problem. He has a reading comprehension issue. But that's not my issue. My issue is that, look, we're giving out. Recently, the uh, offices of, of refugee relocation has handed out 20 billion dollars to non-governmental uh, organizations, NGOs, to distribute this money to incoming refugees. This is unbelievable. This is what has to stop. If you want to get a hold of this thing, we need to get all the social welfare cut immediately from all immigration. Mr. Oliver. Uh, so to the point of the original question, first off, yes. The people of Texas do have the right to secede if they choose to, because they are people and they have rights. States don't have rights. But when we come to the idea of federalism, we have to recognize that there's not one border that sits in Mexico. There's a national border, a state border, a county border, a town border. Who has precedence over that? Well, there have been cases that have been brought to the Supreme Court that have argued this. And the Supreme Court has been clear since the 19th century, it's not new, to say that if there is a border that is created that borders another nation, that the nation, the federal government, would have to control that border. Now, what I can say is, is what's happening on our border with Texas and California and Arizona and everywhere else is a complete failure of the government. It's not because of immigrants that we have an immigration crisis. It's because we don't allow immigrants to come through in an ease, uh, an ease of manner, the ability to just walk in, get your basic name, a, back, a basic background check to make sure we don't have to extradite you back somewhere. Ellis Island style immigration. We shouldn't be making it harder for people to come immigrate. I was just in El Paso, I talked to a restaurant owner who said, I would love to hire these asylum claimants while they wait for their court date, but I can't do it because they have no proper documentation to work. So why can't we allow these people who are waiting for their court date just to work instead of putting them on the public dole and leaving, the, and leaving these communities to have to care for them? And so I say we can have an Ellis Island style immigration system that lets people come in very easily and leave very easily when the planting season is over if they want to, if they're agricultural workers, for instance. But we can have a much better immigration system. But right now, everything that is happening at the border is a failure 
of the federal government to do their job and I, properly get people in. I think we all agree that it's certainly a failure, but I think you may be losing a, a huge percentage of this country in this moment, given that even in the, in the GOP, it's like 60 plus percent are saying that their top issue is immigration. Even the Democrats, you've seen uh, protests in New York, Chicago, uh, there's major cities that are now being inundated with these uh, migrant caravans. What do you say to those people that say this is an issue and that it is out of control and we want to see it diminished, not not necessarily increased as you have prescribed? So I believe the market is good, should really be who determines how many people come in or out. That's a free market system. That's what we have to advocate. And as libertarians, we cannot run away from our principles because they might be unpopular. Gun violence is unpopular in this country, but we stand by our right to self-defense because it's principle to the libertarian philosophy. And so I'm sorry if someone says, oh, well, because it's my major issue, you have to change your mind or change your principles. I can't do that because we support the right of free movement. We support the rights of free markets and people have labor. They have capital to their own work. And we believe that capital should be able to freely move across borders. And we always have, that's the libertarian principle. Just a uh, very quick follow up. Um, I'm, not, I'm not at all implying that you should abandon your principles to acquiesce to their demands, but rather, what do you say to them other than you're wrong and I'm right? What I say to them is that immigrants are not a net negative to this country. They actually help increase the prosperity of this country. Our, our, our money is not a fixed pie. As we bring more people in, we start businesses, you get to work, we increase the wealth. And immigrants are actually a bonus to our community. I do not fear that. I fear much more agents of the state than I do people who come from other countries who want to live here and work. And so I would try to overcome the fear that people have. Because the truth is, is the average immigrant just wants to come in here and put down roots and start their American dream the way our ancestors did, the way my ancestors came here from Ireland and Scotland and everywhere else. Uh, we should allow these people to come here and freely work. Uh, Josh and Rick both uh, seem to disagree, so I'll put it It's not that I disagree. I've actually I've been waiting to respond to Mr. Horber, who I have great respect for, even though we may disagree on this issue. I just want him to understand it. Uh, Obama actually uh, uh, deported and prevented vastly more immigrants than Trump, Donald Trump did. It's not just wildly popular in Republican circles. It's wildly popular in the entire nation of the United States of America. It's actually wildly unpopular to let people flood over the border in our, in our nation. So it's not just a Republican talking point. I didn't get this talking point from the Republicans. I think the Republicans have been very bad on the issue, and I think Democrats have also been very bad on the issue. Quick response, Chase. No yeah, we don't want to flood immigrants. We want to create a process so immigrants can come right through in a very easy, in an easy manner. So that way, we can focus on those who want to come through port of entry, let them come right in, and those who want to smuggle and human traffic across the border, we can focus our efforts there. But to those who just want to come in and work, we should make it easy for them to do this, so we can focus on those who want to do harm. Mr. Reckonwell. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is this is also a foreign policy issue, and the failure of the interventionism of the United States in the foreign policy of the uh, <coughs> Central and South American countries and North Americans. So we have restricted trade, we have intervened in their economies, and all of this has set up this crisis, okay? But this is a humanitarian crisis that we're dealing with. There's no boon to letting people over here on a false promise that this is the land of the free, home of the brave, and the land of bounty, when they come over here and end up sleeping in the streets. This is hardly a prescription for selling libertarianism. And we must also recognize the right of property. Property rights are fundamental. Uh, Mr. Mapps, did you have something to Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, everybody in this room had some kind of immigrant family in their, in their past history, whether it be Irish, Italian, whatever. And every wave of immigrants that has come over 
has been disparaged and been called the bad guy and been called the person that's going to steal the jobs from the people. And we've got to stop with this fear mongering. One of the, when I first learned of libertarianism, that was kind of a sticking point because I, I was like, as a taxpayer, I don't want to give free handouts to millions of people that are coming over, but I also want them to be able to have a better life. And so my uh, policy is essentially a three-part uh, uh, policy, which is that you can have a visa to come in just to, as a tourist visa, you can have a work visa, or you can have an immigrant visa, and we have to streamline this process to end the chaos at the border, which the, which the government is feeding off of. So we have one thing to add, and we'll go to the next question. Uh, yeah, well, I just had a question for uh, Jacob Hornberger. Uh, if you are a private property owner, you surround your property with an electric fence, you put up signs, keep out whatever restricted property, and some person walks into that, uh, that electric fence and electrocutes themselves, is that uh, your fault or theirs? That, that was a question for you. Yeah. When we're talking about a nation, this isn't Cuba. It's not a national home, as many right-wingers think. We are a nation of private property where every person has a right to exclude people from his own property, but not close the door on a nation. Because I have a right to invite whoever I want into my home without your interference. But let's talk straight politics. Their position, all of them, says government should control this process. All of them. How many votes can they produce for this party, for this presidential campaign? Zero. Their position garners zero votes. Why? Because every single right-wing and left-wing proponent of immigration controls is going to vote for Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Where are, my, where are my votes coming from? From every single American that is sick and tired of the death, suffering, and police state that exists along the border. They can't garner that vote that I can. Uh, I just want to point out that Mr. Warburger couldn't get the votes of his own party to get the nomination a few times. So. Saying that we're going to get zero votes, it seems pretty wild. On this issue, you get zero votes because every single right-winger is going to vote for Trump. They're, without exception, he's going to be saying, stop the steal number two. And vote for me. Except if we have a real principled policy that's based on property rights and not just laissez-faire anybody, laissez-passe, anybody can enter at any time to uh, without regard for the fact that you and I have paid taxes for public property. We should have a right over what, who goes on to that property, regardless of whether it's our private property. It should be our private property, but it's not. It's been stolen from us. Now you're asking to steal it from us twice. I, I want to make one response to well, let me. It, it'll it'll okay. give me an opportunity to do okay. so, because I'm going to ask you and Chase the same follow-up. Okay. Um, to talk about human rights on a global scale, it does, it does create a conflict where you are then, it's been basically used as the same justification for much intervention all over the world by the military industrial complex. Is there any priority given to those that live in America versus those that live all over the world? Uh, yes, because the American government is responding, they're, they're responding and they're, they're governing the people of America. They don't need to be governing the will of people all around the world. Terrible things will always happen around the world. That doesn't mean the United States needs to go to war with every nation that does a bad thing. Uh, that's frankly us trying to export our values on other people. That's just not the way uh, you work with your international neighbors. So, so you're, no, you're prescribing that, the, that anyone all over the world can come here. So it does seem as if you were saying that they have, there is no priority for the American people over them. I believe we absolutely can take. So here's the truth. All people have human rights. And if people want to come here and work, they should be able to come here and work alongside anybody else. 
The truth is, is immigrants start businesses. They work alongside me. They go to church with me. They live in my community. I don't have to place preference over one human being over another. If you're here, you should be under the, the same human rights as anybody else. Now, here's the truth. Citizenship does have benefits. If you're a citizen, you can vote. You can do all kinds of things. Just because you're here to work doesn't mean you become a citizen overnight, though we should streamline that process, too, for those who want to stay here long term because it takes far too long to do it. But absolutely, you have citizens' rights, and you have the basic human rights that all people enjoy. Mr. Harmer, you wanted to do one closing comment? Yeah, I wanted to point out that Breckenwald, what he hasn't told you, is he, he favors overturning the entire system of open borders that we have domestically. He favors immigration border control between the states. Between the states, where every single state can now impose a border control, a border patrol on every state crossing. So when I crossed into Georgia on my drive down here, it will no longer say welcome to Georgia. It will say pull over and, and go through this checkpoint like you have to do in Texas. No, that, that's and I not totally true. oppose would, that system. There would be rights of passage all, 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 always given to people that have the right to be in some place or another. I'm talking about people coming from outside of the country and those people, uh, look, there's a difference between goods and human beings. Uh, let's get this straight. Goods can't move by themselves, but people can. And there's, so there's a difference between what, whether they're invited or not. A good is, if it's purchased, it's already been invited. But a person who goes on their own volition hasn't necessarily been invited at all. And so this is what I'm talking about, plus the issue of what public property really is. Public property is, is property that was wrested from you, so stolen by the state. I'm just a civil minarchist, but I fail to understand when you talk about public property and this, that, and the other. You're an anarcho-communist. You shouldn't support the communist. And I'm oh, sorry, anarcho-capitalist. <laughs> right. Sorry about that. Freudian but the story. truth is, is that you know. But if you're saying that the, the government should determine all public property and control, that's pretty communistic to me. That's very anti-anarchistic, uh, right? No, the concept not, of public property at all opposes the concept of anarchy. You should be a fully private state. But we don't have that right now, as you say. Uh, and so I just argue, when you say, see, people have the right to travel one state, who determines who has the right to travel from one state to another? As I said, there'd be, rights of, there'd be rules of passage, of course. All right, I allow anybody who wants passage through Georgia, I give you permission. Here they are. Yeah, look, the federal government and the way that we were set up was the free movement of people across state lines right. because that helps our economy. If we have a border, every single state that we have to go through and different rules that we have to follow, that creates complete and utter chaos. It's kind of the same thing that's going on at the border. If you go to California right now, you get stopped at the border of California and they frisk you to see if you're bringing in fruit or contraband into the system. And I've always thought that that was a ridiculous uh, uh, statement. So we need to allow for freedom of movement and freedom of commerce in order to make things better. Look, it was said on the stage Fine. earlier that the immigrants are a net benefit to America economy. And so we need to embrace that and move that forward to make our economy for us. Self-government the time here, libertarian self-government. The time is quick, we'll get two more and we'll get out and go next one. Yeah, we're, we're not doing a good job of that. No. Unlike uh, my buddy Josh here, I, uh, I do not have respect for uh, Hornberger, at least not his, <laughs> not his position on this. Uh, I would ask him because he was talking about uh, the fact that if people are, if people are invited, which is actually what Rechtenwald's uh, position is, then they should be able to come here. Are you inviting all of these immigrants into your home right now? I just came from Boston. Logan Airport has an entire terminal that's a fucking uh, shanty town for illegal immigrants that have come here. 
uh, due to the policies that Massachusetts has set up, and you can say that those are insane, or are you going to invite all of those people into your home? Sorry. Are we going to move to the next question? I like that that's a great here. question. It's a, that's a great question. It points to the virtue signaling that's going on here. Well, yeah. Virtue signaling. Really? Okay. Uh, can I, can yeah, I say yeah, that? Yeah, I think we've got a problem here when we continue to allocate time to silliness. Josh was trying to interrupt saying, you know, we've run out of time. No, we've run out of patience. The idea that we should throw the border completely open is a virtue signal. No, it may be a dopey idea uh, because Americans deserve a little bit of vetting at the border. That's a basic security thing that we expect from the federal government. We all get that. Okay, can we settle down? Is that, is that true? Are you agreeing? We all get that. Wait a minute. The other, the other side of the coin needs to be said which is we do need more immigration. We do need to get uh, used to vetting people across the border quickly. This idea that uh, Mr. Rechtenwald has of shutting down the border in order to uh, uh, honor someone's property rights in the middle of the country, uh, that's, that's not just a, that's not a libertarian idea. That's yeah, a silly is. idea. That's yeah, a silly idea. A libertarian idea was actually uh, it was Fine. actually voted by Rothbard, who happens to be one of the most important libertarian thinkers in the movement, and it was followed up by Hoppe, who, who elaborated it at great length. The guy so who Bar just killed himself. <laughs> libertarian guys. Get your, just, get, just get your birth rates up, guys. Robert. Let's stop. We don't need immigration if we get our birth rates up. Okay. Did you want to respond? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've heard this all my life. All my life, I've heard we can make this system work. What they don't understand and what Toad doesn't understand is that the crisis, the death, the suffering, and the police state are rooted in the system. And so if it's rooted in the system, you can't reform it. You can't fix it. It's an inherently defective system. We're not talking about, oh, me inviting anybody. We're talking about the right of people to cross the border peacefully which is not involving the initiation of force against anyone, oh, by the way, which is our core philosophical principle. That's, they don't, that's what they don't understand. Yeah, let's move this on. Let's move this on. Yeah, that is great discussion. This is going to speak to something that you said about stop the steal, but I want to start this question with you, Mr. Chamat. And this, this goes to trust. This is what I, I deconstruct propaganda, and I, I love your website. I think you got a lot of great information on there, but when you have a candidate comparison, you have Trump, the big lie, uh, on the bottom of it. And that, to me, is going to lose a lot of potential voters because that is a mainstream propaganda technique designed to associate Trump with Hitler. Defend. No, it's not. It, it no, is, not. absolutely. No, it's not. It's not. So you're incorrect. <laughs> okay, I think you're incorrect. Well, defend that position. Defend that position. I'm sorry. Defend that position. Defend saying it's the big lie. What is, the, what, what is your reasoning on that? The big lie is a moniker by mainstream media to characterize Trump's characterization of the 2022 election as having been fraudulent. Right. It's designed to associate Trump with Hitler based on a negative they can't prove that the, C, the CISA, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Agency, said that it was the most secure election in American history. And that's basically the evidence you have. And so they call it the big lie, so people will have an open conversation about it, which leads to people getting their YouTube channels demonetized and kicked off and getting kicked off the platform from merely asking questions about legitimate issues, not even claiming there's widespread fraud, because there were counties in Georgia where there were 88 votes in Coffee County, I believe it was, that 
went to Biden, flipped to Trump, and then the judge cut it off and stopped letting them investigate anymore because they didn't want anything to do with it. So did, did you know that? Yes. Okay, so explain the big lie. Is, is this something that you believe this is a big lie? Like, do you think that... No, I'm sorry. The big lie is a moniker developed by no, the media. No, I'm just trying to... Well, you, you asked me. No, I do you want an answer? I do. I'm trying to understand your answer. Okay. The big lie is a name developed by mainstream media that they attach to Donald Trump. You're with me, right? Yeah, no, I just, like, I just know it's not. Yeah, I mean, the, I think everyone in the room knows this already. Uh, they characterized Donald Trump as having, you know, gone for the, the big lie. That was the name they gave to it, the big lie. I got to do the air quotes. It's censorship propaganda designed to scare people. Uh, by a lot of people, uh, that's right. Uh, it is also true uh, that Donald Trump knew uh, that the election was not nearly as fraudulent as he characterized. So you can read his mind. No, no, we uh, have statements uh, that were leaked uh, that he made uh, that he knew some of what was going on. What statements? I'm sorry, I'll have to get back to you on that, and I promise I will. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say, maybe you got a question for me? That was the question. I, I've been telling you about trust, and I'm saying you have a great platform, but when somebody runs into that, that seems a lot like you're doing a lot of censorship propaganda coming from the media. And I just want no, to I don't think so. I don't think my website does anything to lead anyone to believe. Anyone who looks at that website with good faith, no one is going to go to any one of my websites, either libertarianintelligence.org, which is the new AI bot, Anyone who goes to MikeShamont.com, which is the one that's most difficult to spell, so I encourage you to go to GoldNewDeal.org. Anyone that goes to any of those three websites, no one who looks at those websites in good faith is going to come to the conclusion that Mike Tremont likes censorship. That's dopey. And I think, in fairness, I think you know that. No, I don't. You also I have stand a up for the First Amendment. I've always stood up for the First Amendment. I've had a problem with the government, federal government policy since 1996 on how it treats uh, the internet and censorship. And that's the truth. That's that's the truth. I, I, I think a lot of your website is great. You have what is a libertarian attitude with a, the medical health healthcare policy on there. And you say on your website, if you ridicule, ridicule others' personal choices, you have an authoritarian streak suggesting the rest of us should be skeptical of your bona fides for participating in a discussion of libertarian uh, public policy and to check yourself. That to me also seems like, I mean, ridicule might be rude, but it's also protected under the First Amendment. It seems a little censorship to me. No, I don't think so. Uh, if, if we're in a public policy debate, if we're in a public policy forum, if we're seven dudes up here, for example, and- I'm a dude in a bar trying to see who I want to vote for. Okay, but this is the, the context of public policy. This is what we're all doing here. We're all talking public policy. If you have someone who aspires to a public policy role, a role in public service, and you take it upon yourself to ridicule someone else's medical decisions. Yeah, what, what are you doing? Like, really? Why would you think that in a public policy discussion, it's important to ridicule someone else's medical decisions? Medical decisions are personal, and we all make them for a lot of weird reasons and a lot of personal reasons. They should not be affected would that include by officials commenting on how you make your decisions. Would that include preteens that opt for gender transition? It would include the idea that uh, where public policy should be, it should be, and where public policy shouldn't be, it shouldn't be. Public policy shouldn't be in your decision about, as an adult, what to do with your own body. As a child, uh, 
I firmly believe that an age of consent has to be reached before you do anything permanent. In this country, we've all come to the conclusion, culturally, not, not led by public policy, we've all come to the conclusion culturally, remember, culture is upstream from public policy, we all agree with that, that we need an age of consent, absolutely is, that's a practical matter, that's not a, I wish it worked. We've come to the conclusion that we require age of consent for sexuality, and we should require an age of consent for permanent uh, surgical procedures. But specifically what I'm pushing back against is the, the ridicule aspect of that. I, I perceive that to be one of the few tools that would not be authoritarian, that we could actually uh, help mold the culture of the place we want to live in without using state violence to do so. I, I think and you're, you should. You're specifically talking about public policy. You're saying absolutely. But, but in our personal lives, ridicule is acceptable. Uh, absolutely. You can ridicule me. I can ridicule you. Okay. I, I'm not going to do it, and I'm probably not going to do it at all in 2024 because I'm running for public office. Everything I say needs to be taken in the context of public policy. Okay. And I don't believe it's appropriate for someone who aspires to public service or a public policy role to be ridiculing a fellow Americans or anyone else's decisions that they make about their personal lives. Uh, I just want to hand, show hands of everybody in the room that thinks in your lifetime there's ever been a secure presidential election. <laughs> Seems about right. One guy. Perfect. I just, that's it. I just wanted to see who all believe that. Thanks. Oh, all right. Please do. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was just going to ask Mike if he, uh, if he got the COVID vaccine. I think that's a great question. I think that's an excellent question. I'm really glad you asked it. And this is the answer. And this is the answer that people uh, need to live with. It's no one else's business. Maybe I got zero. So yes. Maybe I got 30. No, no, no. Uh, you're going to have to live with the truth, and the truth is I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Moving on to uh, a very hot topic that is kind of fringe, but I think extraordinarily important. Thomas Massey has released the J6 pipe bomb surveillance footage, and it appears to show a plainclothes cop identifying the bomb and then calmly walking away. Even after this device had been identified, they allowed women and children to walk past it without warning. This has led many in our community to question the J6 narrative and openly discuss the possibility that this device was a plan B, if you will, to ultimately criminalize the MAGA movement had the riots not gotten started at the Capitol. Do you agree? Should J6 prisoners be pardoned? And what should be done to the government officials if this is in fact proven to be a false flag? Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, I think the uh, JC, uh, J6 uh, prisoners are being detained in an outrageous gulag system. Uh, that is beyond belief. Uh, they should be freed. I don't think that any of these people were carrying arms except for the feds uh, who planted them. So we're looking at a setup, and this doesn't mean that I support Trump. I'm, I'm talking about these people, wh whether they were duped by Trump or whatever, to participate in this event have been criminalized over behavior that was not more than trespassing at most. And so now we learn that the feds were involved in it. They actually helped to set this thing up. There were uh, many infiltrators. There were many uh, federal agents that were involved. And they won't give you the whole truth because they, this is a way of criminalizing dissent. And this could come to you. This doesn't mean just Republicans. This kind of criminalization of dissent could end up in your doorstep next. So that's why I've opposed it all this time, and I will continue to oppose it.
Let's reverse the flow here and go chase, and we'll snake around. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm not going to collectivize every January 6th person who's arrested on January 6th, but I do believe there are certain people who should probably get pardoned, and uh, on the whole, all of these people are being held in jail way too long. They have a constitutional right to a speedy trial, and so many of these people have had that violated, and in fact, the punishment that they're being charged with, they've actually been in jail longer than the maximum sentence. And if that's the case, just pardon those people. They've already served more jail time than they could possibly get if they were found guilty. Uh, do I think January 6th was in? I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's probably some shady business going on, but there were also a-holes who were being a-holes. So I really don't really think this is like the most influential thing to have to worry about. But yes, every person desires a right to uh, speedy trial. If you've already been detained longer than the maximum sentence you could ever carry, you should have been pardoned long ago. It's ridiculous that we couldn't move through this. And why couldn't we move through speedy trials? Because courts were shut down because of COVID. Because we couldn't have trials because of COVID. We couldn't be in the same room with people. We had to slow everything down. And there are people who are still in jail waiting for things they were charged with in 2020 and 2021 all over the country who still sit in jail. They haven't even gotten a court date yet. And this is, a, this is a travesty. It's a disgusting thing that we see all over the country. And so whether they are arrested for January 6th trespassing or any other crime, if you've been in jail for so long, you should absolutely be let out because it's unconscionable, it's cruel and unusual punishment that they've kept you in jail for so long to begin with. Just a quick follow-up, saying that it's not a very important issue. Uh, I'll grant you that you can't possibly know. I, I know you said it's important to pardon them. I'm saying that the underlying aspect of this, whether or not it was in fact uh, implemented by our own government, I think it would be extraordinarily important to find that truth out. And have you have you had an opportunity to look at the footage that's been released? I have not seen the Thomas Massey footage that you mentioned, but I'm happy to say that we should investigate anything like that. Because honestly, whether it's the government doing this or the government instilling violence, say in the criminal justice movement in 2020, where I was getting tear gassed by police because we were being violent when we were trying to protest for police accountability, Yes, we should be investigating anything like that because if there's government agents who are trying to fester violence amongst the population, that is wrong. Uh, so absolutely, that factor is important. What I'm saying is not really important is, uh, you know, was January 6th a riot? Was it an, No, it, what it was is it was a messed up action. We all watched it on TV. It was definitely a weird day. Like, it wasn't a normal day. But it's not something we should all be living on for the next 20 years. Uh, there's certainly more important policy issues that we should be focusing on. Fair enough. Mr. Mapset? Yeah, the criminal justice system is rigged, and it's time to unrig the criminal justice system. If we just focus on January 6th, we're doing ourselves a disservice. This kind of activity is going on in America in all kinds of people's lives. People are being punished for crimes that they didn't do. People are being punished for crimes where there's no victim. We need to end this. We need to stop having it so that there's plea bargaining. Because the, the government is not even like uh, presenting their case anymore. They just use this rigged system to get most people to plea bargain out. So I want to make it so that if you are offered a plea bargain, and you can see this on my website, Lars24.com, under my criminal justice reform. If you are offered a plea bargain, that is the new maximum sentence that the attorney general can go out or the, the person that's going after you can reach, right? And that if they go after you and you are proven that you're guilt, that you're not guilty. They owe you treble damages because they shouldn't be able to just use the government to assault citizens um, and use the bully pulpit to assault citizens and make criminals out of people that are not criminals. There are many people in prison today, not just January 6th, who are suffering because of the oppressive, coercive criminal justice system that makes it so that you, you take the lesser of two evils. You take five years instead of the 40 years that they're probably going to get at you if, you if you defend yourself. And everyone should have the right to defend themselves against the tyrannical government. And so that's what my criminal justice system does to unrig the system, the criminal justice system. So, 
Yeah, uh, Tom's nasty. He's been an absolute hero on this issue. He's been amazing on it. Uh, if it does come out that uh, this footage of this uh, bomb planting was indeed a false flag, I think that would really just prove something that we all already know. Like, we know who Ray Epps was. Uh, we know that there was a false flag going on here. We know that it was a provocation. The January 6ers were definitely provoked into doing this, or at least going further than they would have otherwise. But also, I would say that, and I'm gonna, I think I'm going to take this further than anybody uh, that's on stage here. The January 6ers... Not only did they do nothing wrong, all they did was really walk into a public building, but they're actually uh, heroic in many ways because they were uh, going after, they were pointing out uh, who basically the worst people on earth are. They were focused right on the worst evil that we have, which is the United States federal government. And they were, I think, specifically upset about their uh, COVID policies for the most part as well. So I think that they are uh, patriots. They're heroic. Uh, they should be freed, absolutely, 100%. Uh, they're getting absolutely ridiculous sentences for, like I said, walking into a public building. Except for and, Ray Epps, who's on house arrest. Exactly. Ray Epps, yeah. Oh, yeah. It makes sense that he's not being uh, sentenced uh, to really anything for uh, being the instigator of the whole thing. I wonder what's going on there. And I will take it even further than that, and we should make January 6th a national holiday. <laughs> and we should celebrate it every year. <laughs> I think we have some responses here at uh, Chase. I mean, you say, well, they just walked into a building. If they just walked into a building, it would have been on every television channel, and millions of people would have stopped what they were doing. I remember the day that it happened, uh, you know, literally the work chat, because I was working remotely at the time, uh, everyone's like, are you watching TV? Have you seen what the heck's going on? If people were just walking to a federal building, or even just protesting, it wouldn't have gotten that notice. So you're right. A lot of people should be pardoned. Uh, there's a lot of people that are getting screwed over by the system. Absolutely. But to say it was just walking into a federal building, well, if it was, January 6th would have been just like any other day. Nobody, People walk into federal buildings all day, and it doesn't become national news. So I think we have to be realistic. Even when you can say the government's screwing people over and, and, and whatever, you have to be realistic. It's not just walking into a federal building. You don't smear shit in the walls when you just right. walk into a federal building. Right, yeah. uh, January 6th was a huge disappointment. Uh, <laughs> listen, a bunch of like dorks marched into the belly of the beast in, in, in Washington, D.C. with zip ties thinking they could overthrow the federal government. Boy, do I wish that they had. But they couldn't. Uh, and the truth of the matter is there was a guided rope tour, okay? But but we're, we're lying to ourselves if we believe that these guys marched into this belly of the beast where thousands and thousands of plainclothes agents and cops could be there with a car ride in seconds, okay? And that there weren't infiltrators into this group. We're lying to ourselves if we're saying that there wasn't insurgents <laughs> going on. We're lying to ourselves if we're telling us ourselves that the, the news media told us the entire complete story unabetted by anything else, okay? These people were not criminals. They're people who are fed up and tired of a, an oppressive federal government that continues to impose its will at, at any moment of any day all our lives. They should be released immediately. We should work with the circuit courts to overturn convictions. And while we're doing that, we should also throw in Julian Assange, Ross Ulbricht, and Edward Snowden. And if we can't, if we can't overturn convictions, then we need to, at the, at the bare minimum, release from jail today. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I've got a problem putting everyone in the same category as Ross Ulbricht, who uh, languishes in jail for no damn good reason and Julian Assange, who languishes in prison 
uh, for what is, from the government's point of view, a damn good reason, and that's even more problematic, I think, that the government actually wants that guy uh, to be muzzled is uh, a huge problem. Look, the underlying question really is important, to your point, uh, Clint. Uh, arguably, this is the most important question, and that is that we cannot trust our public government, we cannot trust our state government, and in most unfortunate cases, we can't even trust our local governments. It is true that your government took money from you and from everybody else in this room, pulled it up with money uh, abroad, sent it over uh, uh, to Denmark, of all places, hired contractors, and blew up a pipeline at the bottom of the Baltic Sea, and did so in a way that would have been a generation ago, characterized as an act of war against the people of Germany, but did so just because they didn't like the relationship between Germany and Russia. Yes, uh, I think that this is essentially the issue of our age, which is what do we do to pull down a political scheme that propagates itself through force and through lies, through coercion, and does so in the shadows? I've seen the video. I've seen what I'm told is the video. Uh, it is inconclusive. But we're, we should not be up here debating facts. I mean, my goodness, how low life can we be? This is about principle, okay? If we find out that that was planted by someone, uh, put up to it by the government, doesn't have to be a government employee, right? This needs to be prosecuted all the way through until it's possible conclusion. We need to stand up for the truth. If for nothing else, why are we here? Quick, quick follow-up and then we'll go to you. Um, as a former police officer, I'm sure you know, if you were to have identified a, a pipe bomb, would you have permitted children and women to, to walk right past it without even notifying them? I, I don't even know how to answer that. I think uh, it's pretty easy. Well, of course it is. Okay. Uh, danger to the community. If, if a police officer is worth a flying damn, it is his or her ability to uh, help the community avoid danger. So if, if, an officer, of course. if an officer doesn't do that, what does it tell you? It, it tells me he needs to be put down like a dog. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Hornberry, you got some clap for that. Left unsaid in all these commentaries is the obvious point. The FBI does these kind of things. And what we need to do is abolish the FBI. <laughs> Along with the CIA and the rest of the industries. But yes, pardon all these people. This was a protest gone awry. We've seen all of our lives protests that get out of hand. Okay, disorderly conduct, trespass, or whatever. But to put these people in jail for long periods of time is an abomination. If people are going to take over the government, they know how to do that. We know about AR-15s. We know about AK-47s. We know about automatic handguns that can go in there and start killing anybody. The only woman that was that murdered in that situation was murdered by a police officer, a Capitol police officer, and she was totally unarmed. That's who they should have prosecuted. And it's a good thing that her family is now filed suit against the government and against that police officer. Quick, quick uh, show of hands. Do, does anybody disagree that Ashley Babbitt was murdered? Not at all. No. no. And I believe there should be no qualified immunity. Okay. Just, I did not expect there to be unanimity there, so I'm happy to see it. This is shocking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pardon them all and, uh, and go after the guy who committed the murder. I, uh, Mr. Uh, Wallen, and uh, I want to hear everybody's thoughts on this. 
all of you guys talk about um, localism, grassroots movements to build at the local level, which is where the opportunities to, to get power are. Those in power also are aware of that, which is why we see uh, um, astroturfed movements and, and why uh, movements that are authentic, once they grow to a certain point, become a target uh, of co-option. Mm-hmm. What, what, what would you do, what would be your plan to try and prevent people from joining uh, an astroturf movement that was just helping the people that are still in power and avoid getting co-opted, let's say, group? Well, I mean, I wouldn't do anything to uh, forbid people from joining an astroturf movement. I know where these movements come from, and I would identify them. Uh, they're coming from the UN. They're coming from the World Economic Forum. These are the, the, these are the uh, extra-governmental bodies that are actually infiltrating local governments today. And they're trying to implement 2030 agenda criteria and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and mandates on the public. So I would identify those, uh, those particular movements using the Agenda 2030, which they're trying to use on a local level and drive this down to the very local level. The only way to resist this is by having real libertarians in, in positions of power at the local level. Chase? Uh, yeah, so uh, about building up a movement and not getting it co-opted. I, I think what we have to do is we have to uh, insist uh, that we stick to our principles of the non-aggression principle. If we want to grow our movement and not have it co-opted, because the quickest way for government or other provocateurs to co-opt your movement and kill it is to bring violence into your movement, because that gives them an excuse to crack down on you. And so it's, you know, if you've ever heard the saying, if someone's telling you to commit violence, they're either stupid or a fed, uh, that's something I sincerely believe, particularly with political movements. And so the number one way to stop ourselves from being co-opted and destroyed by a violent government is to actually insist that our, uh, that we insist on non-violent, non-aggression principles as we move forward. Now, when we're talking about astroturf movements, yes, we know exactly uh, you know, that, that corporations or other large entities can have undue influence on our government. This is exactly why we need to tear down the power of government. So that way, when these large corporate or, or wealthy interests want to try to push a movement down our throat, try to create something out of whole cloth, as if it's like some sort of authentic movement, uh, well, if they can't affect the government because the government doesn't do anything, well, it doesn't matter if an astroturf movement comes up. Uh, it'll be exposed eventually for being a uh, sham. What we have to do is we have to prevent these movements from taking over government and using the force of government. So that's why we advocate for nonviolence and a reduced size of the state. If you reduce the size and power of the state, the Congress, your local government, they can't exercise extra control over you. It's when we insist and we give them this right to control us. We would say, here, take our rights away from us. That allows these movements to take the root and basically uh, remove us of our rights. Well, let me follow up with you on there. Do you think that there's a possibility that there was any astroturfing or co-opting that went on with or that's gone on with the uh, Stop Cop City movement in Georgia and Atlanta? I absolutely think any major movement for political change does. Do I think that there are people who try to push violence in that movement? Yes, and I would encourage them not to do that. I've always been somebody as part of the movement. And trust me, when you're a room full of leftists who are very angry, you know, they, sometimes they want to get violent. I've always been someone that says, every time you do this, you're giving the Atlanta police the tools they need to crack down on you and to expose and to try to expose you for being some sort of violent movement. And it gets the public to turn against you. I've always been somebody. And yes, do I think there are people who do that? Absolutely. Atlanta Police Department's just as corrupt as anybody else. And if you've never dealt with them, trust me, they're the first you want to use the power of the state against. I have one more follow up because you were involved. Like you did, you were uh, you advocated. You spoke at the Capitol about this, and, and um, I I don't. It, it confuses me, and I know that there are people manipulating on all all sides of all, all issues. But during 2020, the 
whatever you want to call them that happened in 2020 after the George Floyd aftermath, uh, that this was a response, they say, Cop City was, to, to that. Whether that's true or not, I, I, I don't know. But they are offering uh, police training. They are offering um, uh, anti-bias training, LGBT. They are offering the very things that the activists after 2020 said that they wanted. So from an, you know, an outsider's perspective, it's like this is the solution that was asked for, and now the protest is still going on like the goalposts are moving. Yeah, I think uh, what we're seeing in Atlanta is, in particular the Stop Cop City movement, there are a lot of factors to why we oppose this. There's the environmentalists who don't want us tearing down one of our largest forests. There's people who see that this is going to blatantly be used to further militarize our police. And having been on the streets of Atlanta, having tear gas thrown at us, being corralled when peaceful people are trying to protest, but yet other people are looting down the street, the cops are doing anything to stop the fires or any of that stuff. They're corralling the peaceful people. Uh, yeah, absolutely, we need to be, uh, you know, Distrustful, skeptical of this, uh, the police here, but uh, yeah, sorry, I'm just kind of like trying to say here is, uh, you know, sorry. oppose the violence of the state here. They're terrible. Stop cop city. Go join the movement. Lars, do you want to comment on the grassroots or anything? Yeah, I, you know, the thing is, like, when I was watching the BLM riots and I was watching the videos from those things, you could tell that there was insurgents embedded in those riots that were causing problems. And when you looked at January 6th, you can tell that there was groups of people that were embedded in there that were causing problems. Now, whether that was the FBI or private corporations hiring people to instigate things or other political movements trying to push you know, pressure on people. And I think that one of the things that I see is that the media is complicit in this. The media pushes this propaganda. They hide the truth from us. They give us a totally different narrative. You can see it all the time. If you're watching uh, alternative media, if you're watching Clint's show, Toad's show, Josh's show, any podcast or show, you can tell that the, the narrative is not correct, right? So I feel like what we have to do is rein in the mainstream media because they have been co-opted by our government to push propaganda on us and gaslight us. Uh, and this is a major problem because most people believe what the television tells them to believe, right? And so we have to come at them with our principles, loud and, and, and proud of our principles so that people can start waking up. And I think that that's what this whole movement is about is trying to educate people and let them understand that the government isn't your friend and it's out to harm you, really. A quick clarification that there's actually surveillance footage uh, that was being worn by, uh, I think it was DCPD. So we know for a fact that there was at least seven to nine uh, plainclothes DCPD cops, including some that were, were actively saying, Let's go. Yeah, go. I mean, that's pretty clear. I saw the footage too, and yeah. you can tell that that's the truth. And whether this is, you know, a grand conspiracy or it's local, you know, people trying to, you know, push their agenda or whatever. But this is that astroturfing. This is co-opting different movements. There's lots of peaceful movements, and then you have ten or twelve instigators that start smashing windows. And because of the mob kind of situation, it just gets everybody in a frenzy, and they start doing bad things that they wouldn't normally do if there wasn't people, you know, doing bad things. Uh, quick from chasing a little bit of Yeah, a legitimate difference between a legit movement for the grassroots and the astroturf looked at the Stop Cop City movement. The Stop Cop City movement got 105,000 referendum signatures. People came together to knock on doors and legitimately make change. Who is the astroturf? It's the people supporting police, the Atlanta Police Foundation, because they're not made up of people from Atlanta. They're made up of Home Depot, Delta, Coca-Cola, and a lot of major corporate interests. And so they pump tons of money into the media, tons of money to the AJC and to the media to push that, oh no, we really need this facility. The people really want this. The people really want this. But if you go out in the streets and you talk to the people of Atlanta, they don't want this. We, we were there for 13 hours at the city council meeting fighting against it. Four people spoke for it, but three of them were friends of the mayor. What about so the people, people didn't want it. This was a argue, movement, exactly. They would argue that the people that were in the forest protesting, that some of them got indicted um, for racketeering, I believe, 
when one of them was killed in the standoff out there, many of them were from out of state. Some of them were from out of state, but if you talk to the people of Atlanta who were actually out here voting and getting the referendum signatures, we wouldn't have gotten 105,000 signatures to oppose us in the city of Atlanta if there wasn't major movement towards it. That's, that's almost 30,000 more votes than the mayor got in his last election. And so there's real grassroots movement. Are there some people from outside of town who are also there protesting? Uh, absolutely. You know, I've traveled places and protested. I've been to DC protesting war back in the Iraq war days. Uh, doesn't mean I wasn't able to go protest there. Uh, as long as I'm doing it peacefully, and yes. And as far as the, the young uh, person who was murdered, I say Viva Viva Tortutica, he was murdered by the police, and there should have been body cams in the Georgia State Police so we could have seen it. So, yeah, uh, the Libertarian Party and Libertarian Movement are astroturfed. Uh, you, you see in the Libertarian Movement, I think it's plainly obvious, it's plain to see that you, and in the Libertarian Party, you have uh, a number of progressives who maybe they're like in the movement un like unwittingly, maybe they're. Uh, pushing policies that are, well, like I said, progressive, so they're anti-liberty. You have like some of the biggest um, like news sources that are in the liberty of sphere and think tanks and whatever. They're all almost clearly carrying water for the regime, Reason, Cato, those guys. Uh, so I think the movement is clearly already hijacked and astroturfed. And of course, we do have, you know, we have Chase up here, he's a progressive. Mike over here might be a fed, who knows, he's a cop. <laughs> you, you never know, you can't be too sure. So the, this movement itself, this movement itself is already been called. I just want to say, progressive is the insurance I use, not the political philosophy which oh, I aspire to. We, we also have a guy named Toad. <laughs> I think that's infiltrated also. If you want to know where the infiltration comes from, you can follow the money. This is very clear. I mean, you can see who's funding these things. We've seen the, and you, you've got to be very suspicious when, in fact, there are leftists involved. Uh, because they're often funded. Uh, so, so go ahead. Well, yeah, the one other thing I would point out is that like one of the most obvious examples of this would have been in the uh, 2016 election when Bill Weld was the VP nominee of the Libertarian Party, and he's a total military-industrial complex uh, Raytheon guy. So how did that happen? The movement definitely has been subverted in a lot of ways, and there are certainly entities that are uh, probably operating uh, for the government that are involved in Right. The Libertarian Movement and the LP, and that includes Nick Sarwark as well. <laughs> well, I think first of all, we need somebody who's going to be brave enough to campaign on calling some of these NGOs and PACs and boards like CFR and APAC and the WEF what they are, right? Terrorist organizations that use force, uh, fraud, uh, and sometimes violence to get what they want politically in for on behalf of foreign uh, elites and governments, okay? This is something that's so very important because a lot of this stuff comes from those areas. It's not always the federal government of the United States doing these things. A lot of the time, it's a lot of these NGOs and PACs and, and CFR, I mean, or, and, and military industrial co uh, contractors, we know they, they've been caught, you know, inserting themselves into protests and, and stuff as well. So, um, but going further than that, we need to talk about the, the reality of if we were to win the presidency, uh, we need to talk about how, you know, we don't have the power to abolish some of these, these federal agencies as, as a president, right? The, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the ATF, the CIA, the NSA, these terrible, horrible organizations that have grown so big that they have all this time to go and chase mothers at school board meetings to call them terrorists and infiltrate Catholic groups, okay, which we know they've done recently. Um, so we need somebody who's going to campaign on reducing the size of those things by the maximum 
allowable uh, uh, number, 75%. And that's what we need to be campaigning on. We need to be campaigning on, hey, when you vote for us, if we were to win, we would reduce the size of these terrible federal organizations Time. by at least 75%. That, just a quick follow-up. That was the same proposal that the big Ramaswamy was right. making. Did you, do you agree with him on that? I do. If you did. Absolutely. 100%. I think Vivek was absolutely right. I think I don't know if he was sincere. He came out of nowhere. I didn't know much about the bank prior to that. I know that the bank's uh, past history, even uh, recently, led me to believe that some of it may have been you know him just trying to run on the MAGA crowd uh because he did cry for during the january 6th <laughs> but he did he didn't do a huge pharma pump and dump and he did push the mass mandates from his his social media profile but i didn't know him i didn't know him before the presidential election so maybe his views changed i don't know but these have been my views for a long time yeah. it's great saying abolish these agencies i want to abolish these agencies right I, we don't have the power i think that's hard evidence that our messaging is actually landing that they're now adopting it. Correct. Uh, Mr. Schmott. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Uh, Josh has done an excellent job getting down to the five-yard line. Let me see if I can get us across the goal line. First of all, in answer to your excellent question, Vivek Ramaswamy is a total fraud. He is uh, astroturfing, not us. He's astroturfing the Republican Party and the MAGA movement. He is so full of crap that I don't even know how people can look at him. He has designed his policies to attract you know, the coattails of Donald Trump. I mean, good for him. It looks like it's working, right? I mean, if all you are is a political social climber, then I guess you have to admit he is successful in some weird way. Look, uh, Josh is right. We need to uh, campaign in a very principled fashion on what it is exactly that we want to do. The reason for this uh, is so that it makes it impossible to back up on it, right? Uh, so that what really matters to us is so clear that there's no way to reverse it. There's no way to take your foot off the gas pedal, right? You've got to tie your foot to that gas pedal and then put a brick on it and then super glue it to the frame. Otherwise, what will happen is that you will get AstroTurf and people will come into your movement uh, in an adjunct fashion, right? Adjacent to your principles and undermine you from the side by suggesting that there are other issues that are important uh, and they become weird, they go sideways and they give you a bad look. No, we can't let that happen. We have to campaign on our principles very, very clearly and discern between what is and what is not a part of our platform. So I, I want to follow up to both of you and go to Josh, then, then we'll go to you, then we'll come back up here. Uh, um, again, so the, the percentage of Americans, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but that dislike those agencies. And I, I do, just like all of you do as well. But it's it's still, it's not, it's around the same as the Fed. And so half the country or so, or more, they aren't even aware, they, they might even see these, these agencies as benefiting their lives, just like these programs. So how do we communicate to them in a way that shows them that they're not helping them the hurt was first. He said I was first. Oh, you're yeah. Right. yeah, go. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. Josh, you're, you're right. right. Jeez, man. You're it's right. always always about to walk. Uh, is it my turn? <laughs> it's my turn. Is it my turn? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, I I hate to be this guy, but we're probably not going to win the presidency in 2024. Uh, I know that everybody's really let down. I get that. Um, you know, these, you know, we've got seven presidential campaign uh, uh, candidates up here, and about you know 60 people. In Six in a row. It should be absolutely full to the to the to the gills. It's not. But what we do have the power to do is he said gills. He said gills. Hey, can you shut up, buddy? He said gills. Uh, what we do, what we do have the power to do is a fifty-state media form. Okay, and so campaigning on these things lets people understand 
what these terrible agencies have done to their life. Hey, I was, I was interrupted. You got to give me an Anyways, uh, that's, that's what this campaign is about. It's about letting the American public know that these things are actually harming their lives. I, I dropped my microphone. Get out of here. Get your own. Come dude. on, dude. <laughs> hey, I'm glad you got extra time because it was actually an excellent answer, by the way. Um, I, I, I'm glad you uh, brought up the idea of the Fed because I think that some of our answers up here, with all due respect to my esteemed colleagues, left us a little bit wanting. It is true that only 37% of uh, the American public, if you say so, that sounds actually a little high to me, are frustrated with the Fed. That's not the, way, the right way to, do, uh, to address it. The right way to address it is to remind people that inflation is such, oh my God, you are a better human being than I am. You're really a good guy. Okay. Now he spit on my money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the right it's okay. Uh, the right way to address it is to remind people that inflation uh, isn't just naughty, which is something you can hear from a Republican or a Democrat, but undermines your way of life, undermines your ability to make ends meet, and that the change that we need in this country is at an institutional level. It's not just a matter of replacing one Republican or one Democratic politician for another. That's how you get into the conversation about the Fed. We'll go here and we get to you in Yeah, I think every member of this party needs to ask himself and herself a very important question. What kind of presidential campaign do you want? Uh, do you want one's going to be talking about conspiracies here and there? Do you want one that's going to make the principal case for what we believe in? We're trying to achieve freedom here. And my big beef with these guys, okay, they want to abolish the CIA and the FBI, but what they haven't told you, and this goes all the way back to the South Carolina debate, they all agree with continuing the socialism of Social Security and Medicare for the next 25 years. They call it an off-ramp. They call, they want socials, socialism reform, just like they want immigration reform. I, I, let me, yeah, I let, let me finish. I gotta, I gotta, the problem yeah, with reform is it can't garner votes. And Justin Amash has discovered that, which is why he's going back to the Republican Party to run for Senate, because a reform-oriented message. I, I, so I, I heard, heard you, you say this a number of times in, in debates that if you cut off Social Security and, and uh, Medicaid, like cold turkey, then <laughs> everybody just be fine. Like immediately everybody be fine. And, and the evidence you cited was because the slaves were fine the day after the Civil War. And that just doesn't seem like a legitimate argument to me. Is that, am I mischaracterizing the argument that you made? Are you kidding me? That's not a legitimate argument. There is no Social Security. There is no Medicare. There is no government assistance because Americans rejected the social. The slaves were okay after the Civil War. There was nobody dying in the streets. No ninety-year-olds dying in the streets. There was nobody dying from cancer because people were caring for each other, sir. Blacks and whites. They can inspire us if they can end slavery from one day to the next in this ex-slave state. We can end welfare warfare state serfdom. But let me tell you something. The problem is the lack of faith of libertarians in freedom. In order to start a revolution out there for freedom, we need a revolution here that restores that faith that freedom really does work. You don't have to continue socialism for 25 years. I just a quick follow-up. Given, given that these people, many of them, have paid into it for their entire lives and we perceive taxation to be theft, 
how would it not be insult to injury to say that these people that have paid into it, they do not deserve any of that? Once again, Clint, the premise that you phrase is totally unfounded. Nobody has paid into anything. This is not a retirement program. Never has been. It's they have been. They have been. Wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Let I've been me, saying this for quite a while. Then. Wait a minute. Let me finish. Mike, wait your turn, Mike. I've been raising my hand. Finish. Let me just finish. This has always been a straight socialist welfare state program. People pay taxes. But it is a straight program. If you die, your heirs don't get this welfare. It's, and that's what it is, welfare. What we have to do is restore faith and freedom. You could get rid of these programs today. Yes, everybody would be fine because people adjust. And you've got church groups. You've got emiliosity groups, charitable groups, families, cousins, everybody that would come well, together to help message, those in need. Hornberger's message to the elderly in America is we took your money and now suck it. Go figure it out for yourself. Yeah, I've been saying this for quite a while. People, people in this room have been wronged by the federal government for years. They paid into this system, and they are now being told by Hornberger that they, they're going to get robbed again. So it's double robbery. What I'm trying to say is, if we want to end it, pay out all of the money that has been paid into each individual, including interest and accounting for inflation, will this hurt the state? You damn bet it will, and that's good. We want to hurt the state, but you cannot rob people and then say, you're shit out of luck, sorry. We'll go Josh and then Chase. Yeah, I just want to uh, remind uh, the great Mr. Hornberger Esquire over here, as I did in South Carolina, and as I did uh, last week in Florida, that I would abolish Social Security immediately and just pay out people who have paid into Social Security. So we, you're not the only one up here that wants to abolish Social Security Medicare. I yeah, think we're on. We're on. Some people want to sundown it. I don't want to sundown it. I want to abolish tomorrow. I want the people that paid into it for many, many years that are going to rely on it, that they've paid in from their jobs. I see it on my check. On my check. So I know I'll pay into it. Speaking of sundown, I think it's almost bedtime. What I'm looking for is a So you go back to his home. What I'm looking for is a. That message, if you're right, then everybody will be good and will recover. I'm not saying you're not. All I'm saying is the, the message to people who are not libertarians that you know you will be all right because the slaves were fine the day after the Civil War is not the strongest message. <laughs> the strongest message is a restoration of faith and freedom. If you are convinced that, kills that freedom <laughs> works, then you have no doubts. And, and this plan of re refunding money, he doesn't understand, none of them understand, that the only place government gets its money is by taxation. So how is he going to get the refund? We get it from right. the other departments of the state. That's where you get it from. You stop. The best has spoken on this issue. Chase. So I, I think it's important that we talk about this issue. Raise your hand if you want to end Social Security as a libertarian. Every one of us. But we have to have an actual plan that we can get past Congress and actually have it done. And so what we should do is allow those who are at or near retirement, my mom, my, my dad, our parents and grandparents, let them continue to live off this. Uh, and let's make sure that my generation is getting taxed for it right now, who will never get benefits because it will be completely insolvent by the time it's gone. We'll just quit taxing us. Let us opt out. Let us save for our retirement so that we can have a better retirement than what Social Security could ever provide to us. Because you're right, it's not a retirement program. Retirement programs actually pay far better than Social Security. So let's create a program where we can sundown the system and not extend it to the next generation, as Jacob Hornberger accused me of. Let's make this the last generation that has Social Security on their backs. That's what we need to be fighting for.
He's the one that wants the sundown. He's the only one. Uh, I think I think we beat this one to the to death. So yeah. let me let me keep going. It says uh, it has now been nearly four years since COVID was unleashed upon the world. I would like to hear from each of you as to what you believe happened. And yes, despite you saying we shouldn't go the conspiracy theorist realm, I think it's, it's mandatory that we do. It's that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I would like to know what you believe happened from the origins to the lockdowns to the vaccines and what the punishment should be for those involved. If willing, I'd also like to know, you don't have to answer this as you said, uh, if any of you received the mRNA COVID gene therapy and, <laughs> and, and why, and why Based. so. You don't have to answer it. Oh, you, know. you have medical privacy, but I'm gonna ask it anyways. Go ahead, you can start off. Uh, by the way, I didn't answer the social security problem. Uh, question, but oh. if I can have just three seconds on it. Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, this election is going to be about who's got the guts to tell the American people the truth, and that is that Social Security is evil. Social Security is a plan that brings young people into a system and promises them uh, a, a negative rate of return, if any at all, and does so knowingly and robs them of a financial future that they could be able to achieve. It costs them, uh, average Americans, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of their lives. And this uh, system is propagated just because it was designed badly. Now the government doesn't know what to do to keep it going other than bring in uh, more people to, to abuse. Uh, so it's, it's truly an evil uh, program. Uh, regarding COVID, uh, what happened is uh, the American people were taxed. That money was uh, taken from us and from a lot of people around the world and a lot of people around the government. It was pulled up at the federal level and was sent uh, through uh, two layers of uh, difficult to name uh, multinational corporations and finally landed in part, uh, as well as a lot of other places, by the way, which is not unimportant, in part landed in a laboratory in Wuhan, which leaked, uh, please God, let's find out that this was a mistake, we don't know this yet, um, leaked the virus, the Chinese government found out about it relatively early, decided to cover it up at the expense of uh, thousands if not millions of lives immediately and possibly uh, dozens of millions of lives in the long run if they had done a better job of containing it, which would have required them being honest about it up front. What are we up to now? Uh, two months later, it finds its way uh, to Europe and to the United States, where the federal government uh, started uh, learning about it and in, almost immediately started lying to us about it because it uh, internally embarrassed itself into having information that it realized it should have uh, made public uh, weeks earlier. It, uh, in my view, illegally pressured the pharmaceutical industry uh, to begin working on a vaccine, and it did so through a, a couple of ways that are completely unethical. One is that uh, we have standing federal law that says, yeah. you ask for the whole story, so I'll wind up and someone else can take it from here. I'll follow for you. Uh, federal legislation was already on the books protecting the pharmaceutical industry uh, from a related liability, which undermines the ability of markets to work as they should. And in this particular case, it was particularly damaging because it brought to market a vaccine that had no business coming to market when it did. That's what I'll follow up with. And I went right up to fact this in with, to your answer as well. If you were president when that vaccine came to market and you, they're going to be looking to you to make a, a recommendation or, or to go to get the jab on television, what would you do? Well, you can't recommend that someone take it. What you can do is recommend that uh, this is the data that we have. Uh, you can disclose everything that went into uh, developing that vaccine. 
importantly, and I think this gets swept under the rug often, one of the things that needs to be disclosed to people before they take the vaccine is what the relationship was between the government and the pharmaceutical firms that developed the vaccine. What were the pressures? What were the financial incentives? I think people have a right to know, for example, before they get a vaccine, uh, that there are people on the CDC who had to approve this and then push this that were uh, seeing significant financial remuneration because of their decisions. I think that that's important for you to know and important for your doctor to know. Uh, now that we've ha had kind of a truncated version of what transpired, if you could just not cover that aspect and go a little bit deeper, I'd appreciate it, Josh, go ahead. Sure. Uh, well, let me start off by saying I absolutely did not take the gene therapy. My kids didn't take the gene therapy. My wife didn't take the gene therapy. My job tried to force everybody at our, our shop to take the gene therapy, and I organized our shop to say that our last day would be December 10th. On December 9th, they came and said, we're going to end the mandate. We're not going to make you guys do it. Uh, look, here's what happened. Uh, so people probably got together and said, hey, we need more global control. And so we're going to release a new disease and a novel coronavirus that's going to make a lot of people sick. We're going to bump up the numbers by adding this death as a death uh, cause with every other comorbidity ever in the history of the world. Uh, I don't think nearly as many people died from COVID specifically as they have told us have. Uh, I think that then when they realized that they could get even more global control by using a vaccine, they rolled out a vaccine in a hasty uh, manner that either through negligence or downright nefarious reasons has killed a lot of people and harmed and injured a lot of people. Um, and I think they'll continue to use any uh, excuse they can to get more control. Um, now look, I, I, I've been very clear about what I think should happen here in America. I think that we need to have some kind of trial uh, for everybody involved, whether it's governors that close down their states that caused way more harm, way more harm than the virus did, whether it's the safer task force, whether it's Fauci, Pfizer, Moderna, presidents past and present uh, are found guilty of crimes against humanity. We need to clear out Guantanamo Bay and make that the COVID prison. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I I also did not get the vax, and like Josh, my company uh, attempted to force that. They mandated it when the Biden mandate came in. I pushed back as much as I could, uh, prolonged it as much as I possibly could. They wound up then dropping the mandate uh, after everybody else in the company, I'm pretty sure, had gotten it besides me. They dropped it when uh, the uh, federal mandate got uh, stopped or whatever the case was, whatever federal court stopped it. So I wound up not having, I wound up not getting it and uh, actually keeping my job. Uh, so you can stand up for what you believe in, man. You might be able to uh, to actually make a difference, at least in your own life. So that's what I did there. I think what uh, Josh and Mike have already said, uh, a lot of that is uh, correct. Uh, Fauci and the NIH, he's admitted that they were uh, funding gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab, in the Wuhan lab, to create like an even more uh, viral strain of COVID. Um, it got out of the lab, whether intentionally or not. I don't know if that has been proven or not, uh, but he has admitted that uh, the, lab, the lab leak actually occurred at this point. Uh, the federal government, that government then saw this as an opportunity to escalate their authoritarianism as much as they possibly could, not just the US government, but many governments across the world. Uh, and they decided to escalate the fear and just lie to the population about essentially everything uh, and see what they could get away with. And what they were able to get away with was uh, lockdowns, uh, shutting down people's businesses, and what they did, what they proceeded to do was commit the worst crimes against humanity that, that we've seen in our lives. 
Um, so, and further than lockdowns, they tried to uh, inject an experimental vaccine into everybody. And Josh stole my thunder here because I've been saying I go further than Josh on this because he uh, wants to uh, submit all the uh, perpetrators of the lockdowns, of the COVID regime, the lockdown governors, Anthony Fauci, all of those people. He wants uh, to give them a Nuremberg type of trial. I would say that the COVID regime was already their trial. and They're absolutely 100% guilty. We should throw them in Guantanamo Bay. That is absolutely what we should do. Yeah. So, yes, it, you know, it, it, I was watching the television early on, and they were talking about how COVID uh, came out of a... Uh, a marketplace, and it was you know bats or animals or something like that. And then they were talking about how there was conveniently this laboratory, you know, 600 feet away. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the laboratory where they're uh, experimenting on uh, COVID stuff is probably where the COVID stuff came out of, right? Um, and unfortunately, the whole COVID thing to me was one of the greatest grifts perpetrated on the American people ever. And it might just be the government, but it could also be private corporations because we printed $8 trillion, right? And we stole $8 trillion from the American people because of COVID. Like whether all the other stuff that you believe or not believe, a lot of people would do a lot of bad stuff for $8 trillion, right? And the, the idea that we're gonna somehow hold these people responsible, I, and, you know, I wish that we could, but we have a Congress of both Republicans and Democrats who don't give a crap. You know why? Because a lot of that $8 trillion made it into their pockets, made it into their constituents' pockets, made it into the corporation's pockets, right? As president, I always believe that you have the right to decide what you put in your body. The government has no right to tell you what you should be doing with your body as long as you're not harming other people. We should be allowed to make an informed choice. And unfortunately, our leadership, Donald Trump, and at the time, Cuomo was given tons of airtime, and they turned COVID into a political battle. They turned it into a partisan hack. And it should have been left up to the people to make their own informed decisions on how to do it. And the money totally rigged the system, and we need to unrig it. Yeah, so uh, at the beginning of this whole thing, you know, if you said, oh, this is a lab leak, they called you crazy. And then in closed words, a few weeks ago, Anthony Fauci said, yeah, it's likely it was a lab leak. Uh, they did the same thing with all sorts of stuff. There have been failures from the government at every single level, and this, uh, and COVID exposed it. COVID exposed what was already wrong with government. Government thinks they can protect you. No, they can't, but what they can do is they can shut down your businesses and ruin your life economically. I have a friend who owned a flower shop. She loved owning a flower shop. She was a florist, that was her thing. And guess what? Her business was not deemed essential, so she was shut down. But the Lowe's Garden Center down the street was open selling flowers. They were essential because they had tools. Well, guess where she works now? At the Lowe's Garden Center, she lost her business that she loved because government was ineffective at being able to address the problem. Government will not save you from COVID. You have to make your own medical decisions for yourself. You own your own body, and that does include whether you take a vaccine, a therapeutic, or any other thing, right? Uh, and so we had a major failure from the very beginning. There's reason why we don't need an FDA. If you want to see why we don't need an FDA, see the COVID vaccine being approved. See the, the fact that we didn't get testing off the road because they had to wait for the long approval process before you could even test people where they were sick. And so at every single level, government has failed us. And it's either evil or stupid, or both. It can be both. But it's not, it's one or the other or both of those things. They were either malicious, they were either stupid, or they were stupid malicious. Would you have recommended it as a, as a leadership role? Here's what I say. Never, ever trust a politician to give you medical advice. That should be coming from your doctor. And so if I'm present, no, I'm not going to do a photo shoot 
importance to say, you know what? Go ask your doctor what the best thing for you and your situation and your particular health is. And to answer the question, I did get the shot. Why? Because I have an immunocompromised mother and I'm one of her caretakers. And so for her, because they told me at the time, this will prevent you from getting sick. This will prevent you from transmitting it. And so I did it for her. And of course, what comes out later once we study it, it doesn't prevent it. It doesn't stop you from transmitting it. So they lied. I took it because the government lied. And the government said, this is okay. So the truth is, my doctor now, last time I went to my doctor, he said, you know what, Chase? You're young, you're healthy, you don't need a booster right now. Just a quick follow-up, because you implied that it could have just been that their response to this was ineffective. I would argue, if you look at the early studies of Pfizer, uh, the Pfizer clinical trials, they knew that what they were telling you was a lie. The government knew what they were telling you was a lie. So how can you assess it as anything other than malice? Oh, this is exactly why I say government is so ineffective. And you're right. Stupid or evil or both. Uh, and, and, and so, absolutely. And we're seeing people who are, who are manipulating data to try to push their way or another way. That is wrong. And this is why we shouldn't be trusting the government, because the government does this at every level. It doesn't matter what topic it is, but this just happened to be a disease that they could use to seize control, spend more money in one year than we ever have before, destroying the debt and deficit, ruining businesses, destroying people's lives. Yes, the government is responsible for these things. But I will end this. No, I'm not going to play some performative dance about Guantanamo Bay. Guantanamo Bay should be shut down. It is a stain on human rights. Throw them in prison for the rest of their life if they do something. But don't play like Guantanamo is something we need to be doing. It's absolutely important, and it needs to go away today. Woo! Yeah, I mean, look, I've been writing about this for some time. This was part of a global agenda. There's no question we had a coordinated global response, OK? Uh, first of all, what happened was that the North, University of North Carolina was undertaking gain-of-function research. And then, actually, uh, believe it or not, Obama banned it. And then what happened was they looked for a backdoor way of undertaking this. So what they did is used Echo Health Alliance to uh, fund the Wuhan lab. So it was actually came from the CIA. The initial funding came from Incutel, the funding agency of the CIA. They funded Echo Health Alliance, who then funded the Wuhan lab. So they were looking for degrees of removal from the culprit. This was part of the plan to make it impossible to track down just where this came from. So it started at, 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 at the CIA level, okay? Now, there is a great deal of evidence that Fauci was deeply involved with the CIA involving the whole COVID crisis, the origin story and everything else. He's been, you know, he, there's evidence that he talked to them very recently about covering the tracks uh, that the CIA laid for this event. Now, I believe that globalist organizations are also a part of this. There's no other way to explain all of the coordination between governments across the whole world and the, the same response being undertaken everywhere uh, at the same time. Well, all, all six all six of your opponents appear to be conspiracy theorists, so I'm, I'm curious how you're going to respond to this one. Well, not surprisingly, I totally disagree with all their answers. Because, again, you got to ask yourself, what do you want in a presidential candidacy on behalf of this party? Because my eyes were glazing over some of those answers. What we need to do in this party is lead America to liberty. And what they're talking about in all their answers is a change of policy. 
Oh, the government should do this. The government shouldn't do that. Oh, we shouldn't have Fauci. Oh, we should have somebody, a libertarian, running the, the FDA. I should have an FDA. That's what I said. No, that's not what you said in your debate with Warnock. You said you favored the reform of the FDA. And you also favored Social Security reform in that debate, Chase. So let's be clear. What I'm saying is we need to raise people's vision to a higher level. And that is separate healthcare and the state totally at both the state and the federal level. A constitutional amendment that says no law shall be enacted by either the federal or state government respecting the provision of health care, including Medicare and Medicaid, that they want to just reform, or bridging the free exercise era. That's our job as libertarians. Our job is to lead America to liberty. And we do that by making the case for liberty. And the only case for liberty in health care is separating health care in the state the way our ancestors separated church and state. Yeah, real quick, uh, you, said, you said that you wanted to bring our, the, our vision to a higher level. I think it's very challenging to do so if we don't have the truth as to what transpired during that era. And it seems as if you're diminishing it to the point of it not even being relevant. It, what is your actual perspective as to what transpired? I couldn't agree, disagree with you more. It's irrelevant how it developed. If you make the case for the separation of, of health care in the state, then everybody makes his own health care decisions. The state plays no role in this. A crime has been committed. You want no investigation. Oh, if a crime's committed, of course. So you don't believe a crime was committed? I don't know. So I don't know. Have you looked into this at all? I'm sorry? Have you looked into this at all? Not in any detail. <laughs> <laughs> because for me... Do you know, do you know this, that the Pfizer documents, these were all the documents, the day they, they put it out there, the trial that they had, they got all their efficacy numbers to, to say how great it was. They, they tested it on all of the youngest, healthiest people, and they excluded the most vulnerable, old, oldest people. They did not let them get it because of the risk it caused to them. And then the very first people that they gave it to, once they rolled it out officially, was the same people that they excluded from the study. Take your case to a federal grand jury. If you've got the evidence, take it to a federal grand jury. That's, that's our system in this country. You want somebody prosecuted? What I'm saying is, regardless, if people committed crimes, great, prosecute them. But raise the people's vision to what we need to get out of this morass. If we keep our vision down here, prosecuting people, conspiracies, investigations. People believe family members of theirs die. I understand that, and if people committed crimes, prosecute them, but do it with due process. Don't just put them in one trial bay. I have one follow up before we go to you guys. Hold on, before we go to you guys, I have one important question for you. If you have not given any investigation, any time into figuring out what transpired in the most rights infringing moment in our country's history, at least in my lifetime, why are you equipped or qualified to be the president of the United States? Amen. Because, 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 of, the case, because of the case that is made for educate, for healthcare and liberty, the same thing as monetary liberty, healthcare liberty, we should be making the case for what freedom is, Clint. Not going to simply miring ourselves down. There's people much more qualified than me to go investigate what happened here. And I assume that you have done that. Great. I'm not qualified to do that. I this is not a message that's going to deliver to people who believe their family members died. What I'm saying is that if anybody's died, then it, and, and, it's, and it's a result of criminal negligence, then they need to be prosecuted for it. What I'm saying is that maybe you're qualified to make this determination. I'm not. I'm not going to step into a field. I'm a libertarian. I run an educational foundation. I am not qualified to Aren't determine. Are you a lawyer? 
Excuse I absolutely, me. but I'm not qualified to conduct a criminal investigation in that. There's people that do that. What I'm saying it's is all, a presidential question. What I'm saying is a presidential candidate. We're not over there investigating and prosecuting. We're making the case for liberty, and that's what I would do as a candidate as a candidate for the Just to clarify, the specific critique I'm making is that you're. You're trying to reach voters, and this is a this is an issue of tremendous import to arguably everybody, but certainly a huge percentage of this population. I guess I'm just I would encourage you to dive deep on this one because I think if you're going to be our messenger on the federal level, it's vitally important that you have something more than just medical liberty to, to message on. Let's let me let me respond to that. Throughout that controversy, there were people blasting about the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates and so forth. And, and blasting people who took the vaccine, who took the mask. That's not what we're about as libertarians. Libertarian is making the choice yourself and having the right to make your choice. It's not about blasting people for using a mask or taking the vaccine. We understand. We, 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 understand. we have a lot of people yeah. responding. Go ahead, Josh. Uh, actually, I've been waiting to respond to Chase this whole time. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I will, I will say that, uh, listen, it's the most tyranny that any of us have ever experienced in our entire lifetime. It was four years of it, and a lot of it came from the federal government. If you're running for president, you should probably know a little bit more about this issue. I promise you it's important. Chase, I want to know when you decided that the government and Pfizer and all of these people were either evil or stupid because you put out through several summers uh, encouragements to wear masks, encouragements to get the vaccine. In fact, you put out a post uh, the summer after the vaccine came out saying, I'm going to get my Fauci ouchie so that I can go out into the world again because I've had myself locked down for an entire year, which by the way, it did not mention that you were taking it because of an immunocompromised mother or anything like that. It was, a, it was an encouragement to go out and, and enjoy the world. And so I want to know at what point, because you, as, little, as little as last a year and a half ago, you were still posting in favor of some of these, uh, not, not mandates per se, but advocating for people to do these things uh, so that you could go out and live your life in public. So I want to so, know at what point you found First off, I never advocated that anybody do anything other than say what I have done. What I said is I got a shot. I'm going to go out and live my life, and I'm not going to let anybody try to lock us down ever again. I think that's a good message to have had in the summer of 2021, is that we're not going to take any lockdown ever again. And it's not because I took the vaccine that I posted in 2020. But here's the truth of it. And you can, you, here's the truth of it. You can make your own decisions for yourself. But I'm absolutely opposed to the military industrial complex, the medical industrial complex, and the entire system as it exists. The fact that we have an FDA is wrong because there are ways to measure the efficacy of drugs outside of the federal model, outside right, of the government model. But when we talk about, you know, uh, when we talk about, you know, tweets, you're taking many things out of concepts. First off, no, never no. said right, algae, no. algae. It's ridiculous. It's right. I told people that I got a vaccine. Yeah, and I'm not scared of saying that I got a vaccine one time, you guys. You know why? Because I took my doctor's advice. I went to my doctor. I didn't do it because Joe Biden did it. I went to or anybody else. So why is my personal decision something that irks you so much? Well, I've never advocated that you take a shot. Wait, wait, or that you take a shot. So one of the things being missed here was the collusion between the state and various corporate players, big pharma, big tech, the collusion and control over information. This was not just the government per se, this was the government and all its apparatuses, which I have called governmentalities. They act on behalf of and on, at the behest of the state. Now, speaking of governmentalities, this is something that Chase tweeted. Give me autonomy and property rights, you mean. 
A business can decide to require workers to be vaccinated or limit customers to those with the vaccine. Yeah, they can. If they want to be stupid enough to limit their customer base to only people with vaccines, they're going to lose business. They're if you're stupid enough to require, excuse me, if you're stupid enough to require a vaccine from your employees, you're probably going to lose some good employees. But a business owner and a property owner, you talk about property rights so much, has the right to determine who can come on their property, who can do business with them, and the conditions to which they, 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 they wouldn't be doing They wouldn't be doing that if it weren't for the state. I can oppose the collusion. The coercion of the state will also maintain that bodily autonomy and the free rights of private property allows people to make their own decisions. I'm not. The, if you listen to government, that's for you to do. You can do that. I'm not going to do that. How do you feel about the Civil Rights Act? How do you feel about the Civil Rights Act, Chase? How do you feel about the Civil Rights Act? Do you think people should be able to discriminate based on color from their business? I believe in freedom of association, but here's the truth. While I would prefer that the free market punish racists, I understand that that's not going to change right now. You're not going to get people around eliminating the Civil Rights Act if we haven't proven that libertarian works in a bunch of other areas. So don't discriminate on your medical status, but not on on a race. It is okay to have freedom. I was association. I was and I just told you, I want the free market to punish racists. But you know what? We have the Civil Rights Act as it currently exists, and you know what's not going to get rid of it? Us just screaming, get rid of the Civil Rights Act. We have to work on the economy, the immigration system, right. the workers, and so many other things before we give the proof of concept to people that we can punish racists with the free market. Right. 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 Mr. Tremont's been waiting patiently for a long time. And then we're... <laughs> I think I appreciate that. Uh, I think your question is really important because it goes to something that. Sorry, I'll wait. That was great. It's not us. Yeah, okay. Uh, it goes to something that is really fundamental to our campaigns, and that is the fact that you cannot trust your government. You brought it up in a number of different ways, right? You brought it up with regard to the pipe on um, January 6th, I brought it up with regard to the, the Baltic pipeline. We brought it up with regard to the Federal Reserve System. We brought it up in, in the context of Social Security. The fundamental message is, uh, piece of it has got to be the government is not your friend. You cannot trust the government. And for a variety of reasons, there are forces that drive the elitists, the political class that runs our government, to do things that are not in your interest, that are in their own interest, to cover things up, to keep their power, to lie to you. Okay. This idea that, well, you know, maybe it's malicious uh, and maybe it's just dopey. No, I'm sorry. It's malicious. There are a lot of people in the government who are dopey. Trust me on this. And by the way, yes, I am qualified to conduct a criminal investigation. And I can tell you that a lot of people need to go to jail. All right. I have a quick follow-up. 30 seconds. Uh, so you were, you were a police officer for a long time and then you worked in the, in the White House. Did you see the, that malicious uh, behavior in person? That's a really interesting question. Um, I have never seen at the federal level decisions being made that I felt were intentionally made just to keep someone in, in, in power. Remember that my boss's 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 boss was the President of the United States. It's not like I was having tea with him in the uh, old office every day. Too bad, right? But to your point, nonetheless, to your point, uh, he was the guy who said, read my lips, no new taxes. He was lying to us, and that matters. How many people here have been publicly shamed for wearing or not wearing a mask? Exactly. For how many people, exactly, either way, how many people have been publicly shamed for taking uh, the, the vaccine or not taking the vaccine? All right, 
So how does that make everybody feel? It makes people feel like crap. We gotta stop telling other people how to live their lives, and we gotta and we gotta stop using government to tell other people how to live their lives. That is the bottom line. Well, it's not Absolutely. it's not us that's telling people how to live their lives. It's the state and their corporate appendages. It is not us. I'm not standing around. There were some people who I call them state agents, little sentinels of surveillance that ran around saying, get your mask on and all this kind of stuff. But this was happening at a huge level from propaganda all the way from the state and, and including corporations that were involved. Big tech, big pharma, uh, the entire uh, media complex, all of these people were involved in pushing an agenda and that's what needs to be dealt with in this in this current moment. We can't just uh, assume that it's only the state. We must know what their partners are doing as well. So, I've got a question for Chase based on his answer. Go ahead. Uh, Chase, in your debate with Senator Warnock, you stated that you favored the Equality Act. And I'm wondering, that, that loss prohibits discrimination on the basis of, uh, of private retail companies. That's what I said! of sexual orientation, I'm sure. I'm wondering how you reconcile that with what you just said. About I've always said that I support the uh, right for anybody not be discriminated against by government when you're entering into the government. So when there's government contracts, any interaction with the government, there should be no discrimination. And I said in that debate, I support the people to not be discriminated by government. I don't support, no, I do not support adding new laws to the books that says you can or can't do this. Frankly, here's the truth. I would rather, if, I'm a gay man. If you're a homophobe, tell me about it so I don't have to associate with you. I don't want the state to have to force you to do business with me. I'd rather put my money elsewhere. But when it comes to the government, I do believe there should be equal access, whether it's your color of your skin, your religion, your sexual orientation. You should not be discriminated against by the government because the government is of the people, by the people, and for the people. And that's a difference between private market. And that's something we can recognize. And even and alongside the Civil Rights Act, again, I wouldn't want the government to discriminate on anybody uh, based on their race. So do you want the Civil Rights Act abolished? I believe, yes, we should be able to have the uh, free markets of racism be punished. But here's the truth of it. We're never going to get to have that conversation if we don't handle like, like 100 other things that libertarians are on the list of the American people. What about DEI? So, yeah, I believe you should hire the best job for the best rate. That's the only thing that should matter. That's the way the free market works. So, so no, I don't support schemes to say you have to hire these people, you have to have this. It's basically affirmative action. Brad, are you, you suggesting we need federal legislation? Prohibiting no, a company from engaging in DEI? No, I don't it's think so. It's, it's very important. Yeah, if a company that wants to engage in that as their scheme, exactly. to hire the people, they can do that. So you need to be careful how you put it. No, yeah. hold on, hold on. It's actually the opposite. It was an executive order by Barack Obama in uh, August of 2011 that mandated that DEI be implemented across all federal departments. And because and of that, Biden has backed that up. He put it back in place after Trump threw it out. But but the, the reality is that this is a federal program. So please be careful, too, about allocating that to private corporations when they are doing so because they have contracts with the federal government exactly. that mandate to take. I just want to say your point, to your point, one of the reasons why it is so evil inside the federal government, and it is, one of the reasons it's so evil is because it propagates, right? It moves like all propaganda yep. and like so many other ideas. And you have a, a number of companies who feel under pressure, either in order to get federal contracts or just to comply with the mob because they see the federal government pushing this crap. Right. Uh, I, want to, I want to make it clear that I do, I do support the Voting Rights Act of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. I think to condemn that aspect is absolutely illegitimate. Agreed. I think that's fair. 
Uh, Toad, and then we'll go to the next question. Yeah, I was just going to point out real quickly that uh, Chase is running to be the uh, representative of the Libertarian Party as the presidential nominee. However, he was duped by the largest uh, government propaganda campaign that we've seen in our lives, maybe in, ever in history. And uh, I, I, think, I think it's disqualifying, and I think that any Libertarian work they're solved by. He did, he did change his mind on it a year later. Fine, that's better than not having done so. But I think any Libertarian work they're solved would have recognize that like almost immediately and it should have been like a year earlier and as far as uh jacob hornberg over there him basically just ignoring that the covid regime even happened whatsoever that's as much of a disqualifier as i've ever seen i don't even think the guy's a libertarian first off uh yes i'm running to be our nominee for president and i'm running all over the country i'm putting together an organization i'm actually running i'm not a podcaster on a stage who just feels like throwing bombs at people <laughs> Speak the message of liberty, and you're going to come up here and just throw bombs like, as oh, I believe in the COVID state. <laughs> no, I didn't. The truth is, is I always, always, and forever will stand beside you. Make your own decisions, and don't be coerced by a government to do it. I oppose coercion. I oppose force, and I always have. have don't try to twist it like I'm some sort of like Democrat. Is like everybody go out and get your COVID shots. No. When asked, I got mine because I took my doctor's advice. And do I believe that property owners have the right to determine one way or the other? Absolutely, I do. Because that's libertarianism. That's the free market. And if we're going to sit here and argue, and like I said, like Lars said, to shame people over one side or the other, I don't shame you over your decisions. Like, you make your decisions, I'll make mine, Josh will make his, we make our own wait, decisions. Wait, 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 wait a minute, he mentioned my name in the room. Oh, I'm crying out loud. <laughs> he said people, I'm a person. Let me tell you something, Mr. Toad. For you to suggest that I'm not a libertarian when I've dedicated my entire life to this cause is unfounded and illegitimate. I don't ignore anything in this COVID thing. What I'm saying is I'm not an investigator, I'm not a prosecutor, I'm not the head of a grand jury. If those crimes have been committed, then by the way, then take your evidence to a take your evidence to a grand jury. Don't control people in Guantanamo Bay without a trial, which is what you favor up on this stage. By the way, Guantanamo Bay is the moderate position. Guantanamo Bay is a human rights abuse. It's not a moderate position at all. Guantanamo Bay is absolutely an aberration of our American values. It spits in the face. It is a prison where they throw people for life without trial, without due process. It is abhorrent. So you can't say that's a moderate anything. It's disgusting. I would say the same thing if I let the COVID regime do me. No, the truth is, is if somebody commits a crime, throw them in jail for the rest hey, of the life. How do you think we should deal with the people that committed the worst crimes against humanity that we've ever seen? Take a trial and throw them in jail and throw away the key. It's just the way things work. But Guantanamo Bay. That's not far enough. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. 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 Calm, calm the room, please. Uh, Chase, uh, one, one foot follow-up, uh, because they have energy pretty harshly off, off of getting the vaccine. Do you regret doing so? I don't regret taking my doctor's advice, but I didn't get a booster last time because, again, I took my doctor's advice. They said, you're young, you're healthy. You know what? We know more about this than we did at the time you got it. I'm going to recommend that you don't get it. So guess what? I didn't get it. Do I regret it? Yeah, because it probably didn't do a whole hell of a lot for me. Okay. And that's the truth of it. 
But I'm not going to trust your doctor. Yes, I still trust my doctor because they're the person who came back and said, you know what? We learned more. And that's the truth. The fact that my doctor was able to say, you know what? I learned and understood that something else is different is a reason to trust him. Because if he was distrustful, he would have just kept telling me to take the vaccine, correct? And so that's the truth. Some of us saw through this all. I don't trust my beginning, And we didn't have to be told by a doctor whether this was something to do. We saw through it from the very start. And therefore, we have insight into issues that matter. And coming next is disease X. Disease X, and they're going to pull the same shit all over again. If you're not ready, then you're going to find out what's happening. They're going to do the same thing with disease X. They'll have the same propaganda lined up. And if you fall for it, you're a sucker. And I want to say this. There's a reason why they're all coming for me. Let's take a break here. Yeah, the reason why they're all coming for me is because here in Georgia, I've actually shown that we could force a runoff, make national news for the Libertarian Party, and represent this party in a way that actually makes real change. This is my Let me ask you why this is. Why, why then did you say on June uh, 3rd, 2022? I guess I could say this now. The Libertarian Party does not speak for me. And unless I retweet, I do not at all endorse them. Yes, because they shared stuff that was abhorrent. About the COVID regime. No, it wasn't about the COVID regime. And here's the truth of it. Why did I say that? Because I was running for U.S. Senate. And if people come to me and they say, why is this coming out of the party? Why is the party tweeting this? Why is the party saying this? And I don't agree with it. I had to go and say I publicly don't agree with it. you're calling Lou Rockwell a racist. Fuck yes, I am. Fuck yes, I am. Who's wrong? All right, let's, let's take it to us. Read it. Read it. I'll, I'll take you an even keel voice. Chase, we're going to take it. Mr. Uh, Javon. What's our topic now? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I have the topic. I have the topic. I have 14 minutes left. Because, yes, I know. And we've already, we already went absolutely ballistic on that one. So I'm going to make this one an easy one. Uh, I would like to know from your perspective, who has been a better president Joe Biden or Donald Trump? As weird a question as that is, I actually find that a little bit easy. And the reason I find this easy is because it's important that we don't trust the state. The state is not your friend. The state does things that, that are not in your interest. Joe Biden is the state. I've been following this guy in a weird way since he was in his 40s, and I got news for you. Those of you who think that he's an idiot because he's so old would be really disappointed to know he was not smart in the 1970s, okay? It's been a steady decline, but it hasn't gone off the cliff. He was retired before the aneurysm. He, was, he just has a speech impediment. He is the vehicle of the state. Now, having said that, Donald Trump is not someone you can trust. I know that we had a little thing earlier, and maybe you see it differently, Brad. And maybe he's your guy. You know, that's cool. You he's my guy? Well, you know, you're, you're standing up for him. That's your guy. You vote for it. Come on, that's the big lie. Well said. Uh, I don't trust Donald Trump. I, you know, I was in New York in the 80s. I got a long history of disliking this guy. But his instincts are correct. That the state is not your friend. That we need to take down the swamp. Thank you. I reject your false dilemma. You reject all for terrible. No, here's the thing. Obviously, it's Biden. Biden's been in the government doing these things forever. I mean, as long as I've been longer than I've been alive, and I'm 40. That says something. Um, and, and Biden, you know, continues to expand the warfare state, continues to expand the welfare state, continues to, you know, drive 
flood our country with whatever he wants to flood our country with. I mean, he's been terrible. Trump, for all of his terrible, terrible downfalls, didn't add any new wars. Yes. He, of course, expanded Syria a little bit, which is not good. Uh, I, I'm obviously anti these things. And he was also the father of the vaccine. He was also the father of the COVID regime. He was the one that it, it looked at all of the governors and said, hey, you know, maybe you guys should lock down. He told DeSantis that it was his word that, that could make Florida lock, lock down and not DeSantis's. I mean, this was, these are both terrible actions and they're both horrible. There's some things that he was worse than Biden on. There's nothing really that, 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 that he was better, or that Biden was better on him, than him on. But yeah, at the end of the day, I, I really reject this false premise entirely. I've never had a president in my lifetime that cared about the United States of America and its people. Uh, they have all worked for foreign and corporate interests around the, around the, the country, and it's time to end that. So, thanks. Uh, was the question which one was better or yeah. worse? Better? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, Josh, I think you, you reverse that, Josh. Josh also uh, is kind of refusing to answer a uh, hypothetical there. Uh, the answer to this is Trump was the better of the two. Uh, they both expose a bunch of things about the establishment, but Trump does it by basically just being totally unfiltered and actually saying it in a lot of cases to you, like, what is actually going on here? Biden does it just because he exemplifies uh, the rotting, decrepit corpse of the establishment. But Trump does it in a more hilarious way, and he is a fellow shit poster, so the answer is Trump. <laughs> As a real libertarian, no doubt. No, seriously, this, this is why I am running for president, is because we have two crap guys that we have to choose from again. I'm tired of the illusion of choice. I'm tired of the government foisting on us this choice. Look, we have two private corporations, the RNC and the DNC, who run our damn elections. It's a completely rigged game, folks. They have already chosen these two clowns to run again. And all my life, I had to choose between uh, um, Bush and Clinton, Bush and Clinton, and I didn't like any of those guys either. And I voted no to on those guys. I didn't vote for either of these guys before, and I'm not going to vote for them again. They're utter crap, and they're horrible for America, and they are anti-libertarian. They are authoritarian. They spend trillions of dollars that we don't have, bury the American people. They are not friends of the American people. They are friends of the establishment. They are friends of the bureaucracy. We need to put an end to this crap for good. Uh, I, I said that the DNC and RNC run our elections. I would, I would argue that APAC runs our elections more than almost any other. So, uh, we'll be doing closing statements after this. Before, before, we, before we go to Chase, I just, uh, I just wanted to say, I'm not asking you to tell me who you're going to vote for. I'm just asking who's better. <laughs> uh, they're both terrible. It's, you can determine who's, you know, there's different factors. Like, you're, Biden's done less drone bombings than Trump. So on that, I guess, old Joe is better. But they're terrible on everything. They have both continued to spend money, continued to expand the warfare state, including Donald Trump, who had more drone bombs in four years than Obama did in eight. And so and he's not a peace president, that's for damn sure. But they're both awful in their own particular way. And you're right, I knew Joe Biden was stupid uh, right out of high school when he said, oh, let's just break Iraq into three different countries, and that'll solve the secretary of violence that we have there. He's been an idiot since the beginning. But Donald Trump is no better. He says things you like to hear. I'm going to drain the swamps. Does nothing to do it. I'm going to fix this. Does nothing to do it. He plays you lip service, and we need to reject that too. So neither are really better than the other. One is absolutely doing things we don't support, but he's not trying to pay us lip service and kiss our ass about it. But they're both effing terrible. And like you said, Trump started the COVID state. He ran an ad in 2020 saying, I listened to everything Anthony Fauci told me. That was what he ran on, and now he's running against it. 
Uh, and the truth is, it just shows the inconsistency of who he is. And then Trump, or and, and then Joe Biden is the same way. There, are, you can find flip flops of Joe Biden's 50 years in government pretty easily. And let's not forget that the guy who wants to talk about racial equality and, and, and peace between the people is also the same guy who passed the 94 crime bill that called people super predators and all sorts of horrible things. And so neither of us, nor neither of them, should be trusted at all. Fix it. Who's better amongst the two? I don't know. Flip a coin. They're both two shit sides of the same coin. And so I don't care. The reason, the reason I ask is because, you know, I, I think that aside from the COVID era, I think that the, the drafting of the Patriot Act would probably be the biggest infringement of our rights. Yes. And Joe Biden has bragged about offering that. He was absolutely a part of that. And don't forget that Democrats and Republicans all voted for those things. So it's not like one party's better than the other either. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guarantee you, on 9-11-2001 and 9-12, Donald Trump would have tried to pass all of the same things. He would have said, we're all in danger, and don't worry, I can protect you. I will protect you. And this is what anybody in government does in those situations, in every emergency. And that's why we need libertarians in office, because they will reject that notion. Mr. Rickamall. Yes, I mean, Donald Trump uh, effectively rolled out Operation Warp Speed, which was the beginning of the COVID uh, crisis, per se. So... He was responsible for the beginning of this entire uh, debacle and this entire uh, sham that we faced. And I think that the, the thing is, though, that he, was, he did one thing well, and that was he was able to get rhetoric out there. Now, I'm not saying he actually believed it, but he was able to get rhetoric out there that opposed the establishment. And that was, that was something that was important to, to hear. And despite the fact that he, he doesn't stand by it, really, at least his rhetoric was damaging to the, to the regime. That is very clear from the fact that they tried everything and still do complete, to completely shut him up. But that being said, I mean, this is a, this is a, a false binary, one that I can't uh, adjudicate except to say that they're both terrible, of course. Uh, but I would say this, the economy was better under Trump, and that's because he allowed, uh, he got rid of regulations, he allowed drilling, which we must have, we must have uh, energy policy, we must be able to drill on our shores, we must get rid of the uh, DEI, all, all of these things which are terrible and much more prohibitive uh, than, uh, than anything that Trump did. So, I mean, Trump was a disaster too, but I should say that... Uh, you know, Biden is, is a nightmare. We're looking at uh, socialism 3.0. I'll, I'll come to you in one second, Josh, but I want to let Mr. Barnbaker go. Yeah, there's not any difference between these two guys, but you see, that's not the fundamental problem. The problem is the, the, the system they favor. They favor the system of immigration controls. They favor the system of health care control that some libertarians just want to reform. They favor Social Security, the continuation of socialism for the next 25 years, which some libertarians want to support. They favor the national security state. They favor the foreign wars. They favor the state-sponsored assassinations. Where have you heard during this entire campaign any condemnation of the CIA's and the Pentagon's assassination of John F. Kennedy? Robert F. Kennedy's not scared to point it out. Why, aren't, why hasn't any Libertarian Party presidential candidate in the last 25 years condemned him for that coup? I condemn them. And that's, right and that's what we need in this party in a presidential race. That's what we need in this presidential race. A vision that says we don't just need a new president to manage this crooked, corrupt system. We need a new system, one that is based on private property, individual liberty, and the founding, the sound founding principles of this country.
Thank you, Mr. Harper. Uh, Josh, one, one comment. Yeah, so I have a quick question from Mr. Michael Rackenwall, who said that both presidential candidates were horrible or something along those lines. But was donating to Donald Trump prior to announcing to be the presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. He also donated uh, monthly to Win Red, which is a PAC that has worked very, very, very hard to keep Libertarians off the ballot to MAGA PAC as well. Um, and he made posts such as, Trump's speech moved me to tears, these kind of things. So I want to know what point, this is a question, at what point did you uh, realize that Donald Trump wasn't a good president? No, no, he wasn't any of those things. Okay, thank you. Uh, so you look, my uh, support for Trump giving $25 to win red was when he was indicted. And I thought that was an outrage. Now, I'm, I'm just going to say this, and I hope it doesn't embarrass him, but Clint has actually said online, on Twitter, that he thought about voting for Trump in a way because it's an F you to the establishment. There's something to that. That's all it was. It had nothing to do with supporting the Republican Party or their principles, which they lack. It was merely an F you to the regime. Trump is the swamp. Wait, now let, let, let me add to this point, though, because in Chronicles Magazine, Reckonwald wrote, following is a partial list of actions that a Republican, a Republican. president... Republican president could take by executive order to begin reversing the damage. Close the border by completing the border wall. Yes, that's right. A Republican president might do. That wasn't, I wasn't talking on behalf of myself. That's you were challenging the Republican Party on what well, they should do. Well, to well, I, guess, guys, I, do I just want to say thank you to Michael Brettwell for the answer. Uh, I'm glad that he came to that conclusion because back in 2008 when we were campaigning for Ron Paul, he donated a lot of times to Hillary Clinton. The new, the new stuff is way better than 2008. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, listen. I, I've, I've been very clear about my past, my history. I was a Marxist at one point, okay? I had a major gestalt shift. That makes me a more fierce libertarian than anybody on this stage. I've written more against socialism than all these people combined. I've reached more people with my books than all of these people combined. I've reached 100,000 readers with libertarian ideas in the free market. You might laugh, but you don't have any free market uh, actual results to show for it. I, I'm not talking about... I think about he feeds his kids. That seems like free market results. Seven of them, dude. Every day. Well, a uh, quick follow-up for you, Mr. Mapsted, because you said that Donald Trump is part of the swamp. Yeah. Him facing 720 years behind bars, potentially, yes. would, would indicate to others that perhaps he is not. Why do you still believe yeah, that? Yeah, because there was pictures literally of him on the stage with Fauci, and they're both laughing, and he's pointing at a swamp creature. He, he, you know, he went in there talking about how he was going to tear the swamp down, but then he surrounded himself by swamp creatures in every direction. Now you can say, well, he didn't, he didn't know he was, Donald Trump is a severe businessman. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he was surrounding himself with. And to me, he is still doing his uh, virtual reality show as president. And he just wanted to look good. So he brought in the people that he thought were the experts and they turned out to be the swamp. So he embraced the swamp in my opinion. Well, are you vaccinated, Lawrence? I am vaccinated. Do you regret it? Uh, no, my dad almost died of, of COVID. Um, he was on an incubator and it was very close. And so I thought, and so I thought my wife also is compromised. And I thought, you know, if I don't do this and I kill my wife, how would I ever live with my 
myself, sure. right? So that, so, but I, I have always been 100% for it is your right to choose and that no one should make that decision for you. Um, and I did not get alternative, more vaccines because I realized that there was a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I went with the information that I have, and the information that I have was So we're false. not we're going to trust people that can't see through a certain uh, obvious... 90% of the people in America took a vaccine. And that's what we want to lead us, one of those 70%. 70%. We want one so of those the, so are you saving the 70%? Shut up about the damn vaccination! Yes. No. No. All right, that's probably a good place to wrap up for I just want to clarify the reason I asked is because I, I believe that once you've made that decision, I'm not shaming anybody for having gotten the vaccine. I think what's most important is that you're, you're, you're capable of analyzing what transpired in that moment. Yes. Yeah. Especially if you want to be the President of the United States. Yes. It's fucking mandatory. Yeah. So that's yes. the reason I ask. I'm not trying to shame anybody. I just want to be clear. Oh, sorry. Shaming so, is not illegal, by the way. Uh, well, but, I'm, but for the record, I'm not. So, uh, we're going to have closing arguments. Uh, 60 seconds. Let's keep it brief. It's possible. What are we arguing about? Uh, I'm closing arguments. I got a minute. Thanks everybody for putting up with us and thanks a lot for letting us uh, spend the day with you all. You're actually a lovely crowd and, and, and that's the uh, truth of the matter. And you might not know it from what you've just heard the couple of hours uh, that have just passed, but this is actually a terrific group of guys. And only pushed like this will they uh, get on each other's nerves as badly as they apparently did. Uh, for those of you who want to see a very professional campaign, it's not everybody, it's not for everybody, but I believe it is the right answer to disrupting the political duopoly that reigns in America. For those of you who want to see a professional campaign, I encourage you to look at one of our three websites. We've got an AI bot coming out that's very fun. Uh, it's in uh, beta phase. Uh, we call it LISA, the Libertarian Intelligence uh, System application. You can find it at uh, libertarianintelligence.org. Go test it, play with it. It's a lot of fun. Yes, AI has problems and threats and risks uh, to our future, but this is something that we need to be good at because everyone else is going to be using it. We lean into my background in public service and public policy. We do that on purpose. We maintain a lot of credibility, a lot of details, a lot of background. We believe it matters when it comes to clearing the threshold that Americans will expect to be competitive. Thanks a lot. Mr. Smith. Uh, first of all, I want to say that my co-host on my show will beat Lisa in three questions. So we've got some work to do, Mike. All right. All right. Uh, I look, at, I'm just a blue-collar working class guy that's just like everybody else here. Uh, I'm just sick and tired of the government making it hard to be a family. Um, and so if you want a candidate that's going to put a huge emphasis on, uh, you know, incentivizing the family as instead of de-incentivizing the family, you want somebody who hates the Federal Reserve and thinks it's Satan, you want somebody who's going to beat the anti-war drum harder than anybody up here, I promise, uh, then I'm your candidate. And I would like you guys to go to Joshua Smith 2024. You can check out the uh, You can check out the platform there. There's all of our, our campaign videos. I promise you. I promise you, I work my butt off to get on a stage with these other guys. Not these guys, but the guys in the in the general election. And I have a lot to say, and I guarantee I'm going to echo a lot of the same sentiments you guys have with uh, just trying to be a normal American every day. So I appreciate your support. You can go there. You can become a volunteer. See our videos, our platforms. You can donate to the campaign, and uh, I'll see you guys on the campaign trail. Thank you. So I'd like to hear about the website for your campaign. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, you'll have to uh, time travel for that one into the future. Uh, look, man, I'm, I'm just real. I'm not, I'm not going to like spew bullshit up here. I, I'm running the most efficient campaign that Gold has ever seen. I've done zero fundraising, and I continue to... Uh, I plan on uh, continuing having that uh, be the case. And um, I mean, what would you rather be? Would you rather do that and like not expend all this uh, effort and actually like spend more time like being able to live your life and doing other things, or would you like to be like libertarian lifers, like some of the uh, these guys up here putting in like all this time, effort, tons of money, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, like bars, or, or being uh, like just a perennial loser, like Jacob, who's losing every single libertarian primary, every single cycle, or put it in, you know, just uh, like uh, Joe Jorgensen or whoever the uh, nominee is going to be, just to get one, two percent in the general, and then everybody's going to forget about you. No, who cares about that? So Chase makes fun of me for uh, just known as being a podcaster, but look, I think we can reach people that way. We can reach people by making them laugh. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hey, where's your website? I wasn't making fun. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So, real quick, a little background. I grew up with an outhouse and no electricity on a pot farm in Big Sur, California. And I went on to found multiple internet companies, the largest of which was a company called FriendFinder Networks. It was dating websites. I grew that to 600 employees doing $350 million a year in sales. I sold that company in 2007. Look, the Libertarian Party has a messaging and fundraising problem, okay? It's not that we're, our messaging isn't bold enough. It's not that our messaging isn't principled enough. It's that we're not reaching enough people with a regular message that resonates with regular people out there. That's what my campaign is about. I picked five pieces of policy that resonate with the most Americans, that fix problems that Americans have, their healthcare, the economy, the criminal justice system, the, our rigged voting system. Go to Lars24.com, where I have a huge policy team that has put together over 30 pieces of policy with white papers on how we're actually gonna unrig the system. You all have the power to unrig the system. I need you all to show up in Washington, D.C. for me and vote for me as a delegate so that I can win the nomination and bring our message of liberty to the most Americans ever reached. Thank you, Mr. Madison. Uh, Mr. Orr. So uh, from the first day that I found the Libertarian Party in 2010 when John Mons waved me into a tent, I have been committed to the idea of fighting for human liberty. But I didn't get there all uh, just instantly. I came into that tent being an anti-war Democrat at the time. Uh, because George Bush was a Republican, and I opposed Obama failing on everything that he did in terms of foreign policy. And when I met John Mons, he said, what is the most libertarian issue to you? And I bet you're more libertarian than you realize. And I said, I oppose the war on terror and the war in Iraq with every fiber of my being. And the next words out of his mouth were, welcome home. Welcome home. This is the party that you belong to. Let's connect your anti-war policies with the libertarian philosophy. And ever since then, I've been allowed to grow in this movement, and we've been seeing, uh, and what I want to do is I want to provide that growth for millions of voters who are dissatisfied with the two-party system. A majority of the country says they are sick and tired of uh, Republicans versus Democrats, Trump versus Biden. So let's give them something they can feel good about voting for, and let's welcome them into the tent. You're anti-war? Welcome home. You want to support the rights of immigrants? Welcome home. You want to secure property rights? Welcome home. And if that's your issue, you come here and let's let you grow into liberty so we can have millions of new libertarians fighting for liberty all over the country. That's what I want to do. Go to votechaseoliver.com and learn how to join the movement. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Oliver. Mr. Reckonwald. Thank you. My name is Michael Rechtenwald and my website is wreckoftheregime.com. And that's what I intend to do. And I don't intend to do this by myself. This is not a campaign strictly I am running uh, at the head of a movement. 
And this movement is a movement of localization and decentralization. And that has to take place at the local level. Uh, we're not going to march into Washington, D.C. like a white knight and fix all of the federal government's problems and abolish this and abolish that. We have to do it from the ground up. It's not going to happen by virtue of a, a flashy media campaign and advertising uh, uh, agenda. It has to happen with somebody that can speak the liberty message to the broadest audience. I have reached hundreds of thousands of readers with my books in the free market. And those ideas have been, have been, uh, have been uh, read and, and they have been accepted and they've been uh, pondered by, by hundreds of thousands of people. This is what I want to do is take this message to a broader public and make more libertarians and shift the Overton window towards libertarians. Right. Thank you. Mr. Hornberger, there will be one final bonus question after this uh, final question. <laughs> <laughs> As I have been pointing out since the South Carolina debate, this reform message that has come to characterize this party, Social Security reform, health care reform, immigration reform, monetary reform, cannot garner votes. And it cannot lead America to liberty. Three years ago, 1.1%. Two years ago, <coughs> Chase, 2%. Mike Tremont, 1%. Two Wall Street Journal polls for 2024, 1%. Chase is the best example of this. 10, 20, 30 million dollars in his race for U.S. Senate. A statewide debate with an incumbent U.S. Senator. He got his message out to every voter. His reform-oriented message. His 25-year plan to continue socialism in America. Why didn't he win the Senate seat? Why did he only get 2%? Because this reform message cannot garner votes for this party. The only thing that can garner votes in this party and break us out to the 10 or 15% category and that can lead this country to freedom is a campaign that is based 100%, no exceptions, on pure, genuine founding principles of this party, including open borders and abolishing every single socialist program immediately. This is a, a rarity in a closing argument, but since you were addressed, I'll give you an answer. Uh, uh, $30 million, I didn't have $30 million, I had $20,000. With that $20,000, I forced a runoff the most expensive U.S. Senate race in history. I made national news for the Libertarian Party here in Georgia and around the country. I'm so proud of that race. And every time I did it, it hurt me. No one lost my Face to face. I am so proud of that race, and I certainly know libertarians in Georgia are proud that I ran that race and got us national news and attention, and I would do it all over again in all 50 states. All right. So, Chase, this leads to the bonus question. You yes. told me the other day you knew how you were going to take on Trump on the general stage. Yes. And uh, you're going to out Trump Trump. And the, the attacks that would be coming if you were to see him on the debate stage, how would you handle those attacks? The way you handle a bully is you go right at them. That's how you stop a bully. So if Donald Trump's gonna be coming at me, I'm gonna remind him, listen, Donald, you said all sorts of BS in the past. You said, I'm gonna eliminate the debt in eight years, and then you blew up the debts and deficit. You said, I'm gonna defend you, but yet there's still tons and tons of violence around here. You keep saying all this BS, but everybody can see exactly right through it because ever since the 1980s, you've been a grifter, you've been a liar, you've been a con man, and don't pretend like you aren't. Just admit. Say it to his face. Yeah. Say it right <laughs> This is the first debate stage Donald Trump has appeared at all year, ladies and gentlemen. The other one's just
a gigantic jug. I'm glad to say that you guys got Frog as your front runner. <laughs> It's been a very entertaining debate. You've all done a great job. You know, Beautiful. Old New Deal. Thank you. It's a, it's a little worn out. <laughs> it started about 40 years ago. But I like the name. I like where you're going with it. And I always love a good Josh. So I like to say that you guys have a, a, a member of Metallica here as well. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to know how you got to take shots at me. If you're gonna go after the king, you best not miss. <laughs> That's my question. I'll challenge you a foot race. How about that? <laughs> I'll, I'll get Deion Sanders as my proxy. Say, uh, hey, yeah, we'll be on one person camera on TV. So my website, by the way, is actually at TowerGamePod.com. You call it TowerGamePod. <laughs> Donald Trump, if you are uh, running for president, you're running for president. I will challenge you. I will challenge you uh, to give us a little uh, October surprise and submit a picture of your penis to TowerGame for uh, the October competition. Oh we will bring you penis. Is this an actual thing? <laughs> <laughs> it is, unfortunately. Yes. A picture of your hand will do. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Just for, for the record. The I thought that was for an old friend finder. The first ever fact ever. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> 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 thank, thank you, everybody, for your time. Yeah, great job. Great job.